Real Nerds is a proud partner of the Denver Podcast Network. In the shadow of the mountains, we speak. Hello, everybody. I'm J.D. Lopez, the host of Left Hand Right Brain. It's a free-flowing, wide-ranging conversation that I have with artists doing interesting and creative things here in Denver and beyond. We talk about their personal stories, break down their creative process, and what motivates them. Spoiler alert, it's mostly spite. We talk about all these things and more while kicking back, cracking wise, and always having a good time. You can find old episodes and everything you need to know at lefthandrightbrainpod.com. Oh, hi, podcast listeners. There's many ways you can listen to The Real Nerds Podcast. You can subscribe on iTunes. You can also subscribe on Stitcher Radio. You want to send us a Twitter message? You can do that. It's so easy. At Real Nerds. Like us on Facebook, Real Nerds Podcast. You can visit our website, realnerdspodcast.com, where there will be a lot of articles for you to not only read, but to listen to our previous shows. You can also call us, 720-6Nerds5. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. Hi, this is Jonathan Tiersten from The Perfect House and Sleepaway Camp, and you are listening to The Real Nerds Podcast. Welcome to Real Nerds Podcast, unofficially the official podcast of Denver Comic-Con 2018 and beyond. Log on to DenverComicCon.com right now to pick up your tickets. I believe the three-day tickets are sold out Saturday and Sunday. And so then don't. Friday. Well, you can buy, you just, you can buy them all separate. Yeah, I know. James, did you, are you have your uh, sassy pants on again this week? I kind of do. Shut, kinda the, do. shut up too then. Okay. okay. I, don't need, I don't need your guff. My, my sass? Yeah, I don't need your sass. Just okay. kidding. <laughs> no, last week was a nightmare. I'm sorry I didn't make it, but congratulations, Zach, on your 100th episode. Thank you for being a contributor to Real Nerds Podcast. I felt so automated. And here's your 50% off coupon for a tire change. <laughs> um, Here, here's a no, ham. Thank you. I appreciate for it. all years of uh, service. Uh, no, instead, you get nothing. Yep. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> it all started with Burt Wonderstone. It's a no prize. I know. I, I should have watched that this week because I haven't seen it. Wait, do we count that? That's him as like a special guest. That's not a real. That's not a hosting. I feel like Lone. Ra- yeah. or no. Uh, Hangover Three probably would be then if we're not going to count that. Then. Yeah, I, I, I think know. you're. I think you're probably somewhere around like sixty-five. Keep working at it, buddy. <laughs> yeah, you know what? Anything about it that way? True. We'll find a way to rewind it back. <laughs> now I'm going to go. Anytime you promoted anything that you were making on the show, that doesn't count. Oh fuck. <laughs> that's a that's a marketing expense. Uh, you're not a host at that All point. Right, so, so I got ninety-three episodes to go. <laughs> So April Fool's Day was yesterday, and I usually don't fall for stupid April Fool's jokes on the internet, but when I woke up in the morning and I was getting ready for work and I was leaving and uh, just sitting and doing my shit, I was just scrolling through Facebook, I'm like, oh shit, Brad's making a new movie! And then I remembered what day it was, so Brad, go fuck yourself, it worked. Oh, I got so many people with that one. Uh, You got me, because I just realized that wasn't real. Whoa! Oh, wow. (laughs) I was really excited. I was like, yeah, he would. I thought, uh, yeah, there's probably some other green screen footage he didn't use. He'll figure it out. There actually is, because I was looking through it the other day, and that's why I came up with the idea. <laughs> See, I don't think it's a scam, because now I think you're going to make it happen. I mean, it's a prank I believe for now, you. until we do make it. So. Ah. Yeah. so since it's a prank for now, I am the new lead role of <laughs> Ryan Von Hugecock. You're his uh, long-lost <laughs> half-brother. Yep. Yep. 
And um, Ryan Vaughn, huge cock. Yep, I um, fell, it sells I, itself. I fell for a different one yesterday because on Reddit there was a there was like a, a April Fool's AMA, and it was it was there. it was from Ryan Johnson, but it was right the, oh. the title was the great part because he just went on and he didn't actually post this. Someone posted it pretending to be Ryan Johnson, but the title was just "Hi, I'm Ryan Johnson, director of the Last Jedi. I hear you guys are talking about a bunch of shit. Ask me anything." And I was like, "That's great. I would totally believe Ryan Johnson would do that," but of course he didn't. Uh, yeah. Anyway, but yeah, I mean, so good job, Brad. I fell for it. Your uh, your poster was believable, or your was profile picture. Yeah, uh, I believed it, and it took me a little bit to realize it was, um, you know, April Fool's Day. Don't feel bad. A lot of people were fooled. Yeah. Yeah. So then it worked. Yeah. So we get calls like, "Am I in this movie?" <laughs> Announcing I'm not in it. I actually got a call from Mayor Knob like on the phone. <laughs> He's like. <laughs> Dude, what are you up to? Like, why haven't I heard about this yet? <laughs> I was like, it, oh, he asked me like what I was up to. I was like, I'm just uh, working on photos here. <laughs> He's like, don't be coy with me. I what, like, what's really going on? <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, it, there, it's not just Easter today. He's like, oh man, you totally had me. <laughs> That's a good job, Brad. So yeah, I, I really pulled the wool over my best friends. <laughs> Made them feel what like idiots. What a dick. Yeah. Yep. Well, you did it. And we're proud of you for it. Nicely done. I've always wanted to do that, like, fake movie. Because, mm-hmm. like, I think, uh, was it Game Pro? Or, yeah, Lamp Pro mm-hmm. used to do the, yeah. like, fake video game, fake movie issues mm-hmm. and stuff. And Yeah. Now, uh, I actually, in Game Informer, they have, uh, what's the Darth dude's name that they write for? Uh, for their, it's like Game Infarcer. And it's like the little prick kid that they have review games is really, they, like, they oh. write it really funny. It's, uh, hmm. I forget. It's good, though. Every week on Real Nerds Podcast, we go see a new movie and we podcast our experience of the world. This week, we saw Ready Player One, the latest from Steven Spielberg. Stay tuned till the end of the show where we'll spoil it after we tell you if you should see it or not. We will spoil a book that's 12 years old. First of all, we'll give you a little bit of a review. The intention of the podcast is not to just spoil the, sh- yeah, the it is. movie. Is it 12 years old? I don't know, I guess. 2011. <laughs> yeah, I was like, it's more like uh, eight, yeah. eight or nine. It's not quite that old. More, know, more, more divisive book than I than I realized. As the film like came out and I started like hearing from friends, I was like, "Oh shit! Some of you really like this shit, and some of you do not." Uh, which I was surprised by. He was trying to make this movie for a while, though. I remember it, yeah. like in the trades a while ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I th- it's almost. We'll talk about it later. I think he's maybe the only person who could. Uh, just because there's so many things that are either referential to him or referential to his friends. Like, the only guy who could actually get all those rights together would probably be him. Either because he owns them or because he's best friends with the people who do. So, I think it'd anyway. be cool if he was hustling to get the references in, like a Ocean's Eleven style movie. Yeah. Just Spielberg in a cool suit going like, hey, Lucas, what's up? Yeah. Put well, he kind of was. Like, yeah. there's some of them that, you know, they've talked about the fact that, like, he wanted to get Close Encounters in there and some other stuff and then obviously didn't. Mm-hmm. So, anyway. We will uh, we'll talk about it and review it later. And that's when he says, no, I'm not doing the 50th anniversary edition when you guys ask me next time. Yeah. Did you guys talk last week about the when he said that uh, um, they're still making that Tintin movie? Yeah, we did. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, I want to see that. Peter Jackson. It's it's all on Peter Jackson to get out of his Hobbit Hobbit coma. And uh, yeah, I want do it. I, I want Peter Jackson to make a great movie again. And I and one that he has fun with. I haven't watched the first 10, 10 since it came out. though. It's so dope I, as hell. I own it. That's cool. I remember being at like a young, like a cartoonish Indiana Jones style 
just adventure film. Oh, yeah. Fun. I mean, if only for its action films, that movie is fantastic. Yeah. He's like, busy with his uh, Howl's Moving Castle movie. Wait. Peter Jackson's making a Howl's Moving Castle like live action? The, the mortal things. The mortal, mortal oh. engines. Engines, yes. Mortal oh, engines. that's right. Yeah. Right. I forgot about that. Peter Jackson. Well, whatever. He can do whatever he wants now. He can. Yeah. He um, made the lovely bones. And also <laughs> another movie about... Um, some little dudes and also fighting s- a ring. Six very, very <laughs> profitable films about little guys. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyway, well, that's what, what we about do. A large gorilla. <laughs> I think Ryan finished the whole thing. So, what do you want to do first, Ryan? Well, I'll tell you what's playing at the Alamo for the month of April. Great. Hello. Hi, I'm Kevin Smith. Hi, I'm Leonard Malton. Hi, I'm Mark Hamill. Hi, I'm Elijah Wood. This is Seth Rogen. I'm Christopher Mintz-Bloss. I'm Ron Star. Welcome to the Alamo Draft Night. It's almost like he was here the whole time. Didn't even know. <laughs> this month, the Alamo Drafthouse Cinema Denver is proud to welcome a curated selection of studio, studio Ghibli films to the big screen. Films include Princess Mononoke, Howl's Moving Castle, Yay. My Neighbor Totoro, and more. Oh, okay. Um, My favorite is Howl's Moving Castle. Um, Controversial choice. I like uh, uh, The Wind one because... The Emily wind rises. Yeah. Because Emily Blunt's in it. I like Spirited Away. <laughs> I'm going to go with Princess Mononoke. That's like a very... I, I can totally see that being your favorite because it is also like the most... The most just a drama movie, but it's animated. It's beautiful. Yeah. It's be- I, I I still keep on meaning to get uh, Porco Roscoe because I just love that it's a pig who flies. Porco Roscoe? Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, uh, strangely, I don't even know the name of it. I just know it's Porco something. I have my brother's DVD copy of it still because I've just never watched it. Because he lent it to me, and I'm a bad brother. Well, so. we all have our things. Yep. My thing is being a bad brother. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, in partnership with Dink, which is Denver Independent Comics and Art Expo, uh, if you go way, way, way back to the very first Denver Comic-Con, uh, it was put together by Tsunami Publicity, and put Tsunami Publicity is part of Dink. I don't know if they still are, but she kind of got yeah. that going as well. Well, the, the founders of Dink are the original founders of Denver yeah. Comic-Con, or some of them. Uh, but the uh, but what makes this special is on Friday the thirteenth, Joe Kelly will be at the uh, the Alamo Draft House oh, screening. Shit. I kill giants. Oh, Did man. you return those tickets yet? Uh, no, I didn't, because I think Ryan is taking some of them. So if you want some, I I'll, do. I'll take two. Okay, I'll cool. take one. I have six total, so half of them are taken now. Nice. So if you're out there and you want my tickets, please send fifty dollars a ticket to. I'm just kidding. <laughs> that might be sold out almost. So you I'd be surprised if it wasn't, for- actually. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, I got tickets when there was no one in the theater. So, uh, Joe Kelly's awesome. Yeah. Um, I'm so And I always find it interesting. So th- I know they always uh, placate to what they've done that's really big. And so it's it says, uh, Joe Kelly will be there. He launched uh, the New York Times bestseller Spider-Man Deadpool for Marvel. All right. Or the New York Times bestseller graphic novel, I Kill Giants. But what do I know? (laughs) Um, Yeah. But, you know, that's someone who, like, does his publicity. Like, oh, make sure you mention that, you know, Spider-Man and Deadpool. Right. You know those, right? Right. You know know those characters, right? This guy did that. You know, I did ask him. um, It's one of those moments where I wish I was recording when when he came to town last time. Uh, Me and James were talking to him. And I asked him flat out because what a lot of people don't know is Rob Liefeld, yes, he created Deadpool, but Deadpool's personality really didn't come until 
Joe Kelly and Ed McGinnis did the Deadpool comic. And so I asked him, I said, does it make you mad that, you know, they get credit for it and you're really the, like, voice behind Deadpool now? The Deadpool, you know, where he's kind of breaking the fourth wall and um, kind of over the top. <laughs> and he said, no, not really. I just want to be, like, Deadpool's uncle. Like, you know, they say, right by Rob Liefeld and uh, I don't even know the other guy. And Joe, uh, Joe Kelly, Deadpool's uncle. The, uh, the You've told that story before, but the thing you always leave out is that when they did that run is also when Dead, Deadpool's feet were created. Uh, mm. Because before that, Lightfield, you know, just didn't didn't give the character any feet. He actually um, made me laugh the other day. I don't follow him on social media. I do follow Todd McFarlane because I think he's really fun on Facebook. Yeah. Um, but Rob Liefeld drew a new supervillain called Pouch Man. It's <laughs> literally just a bunch of pouches. Because if you know anything about Rob Liefeld, too, is he loves putting pouches on people. In fact, you can go online, go to Google, go to your Google machine, and put Rob Liefeld drawings and then it'll pop up the 40 worst Rob Liefeld drawings, and they're awful. But you know what? His bombastic style is still super popular because when I talk to my comic guy, um, people go in and ask for his covers. He really doesn't do interiors anymore. Um, people still like him. Um, and also, Greg Sestero will be there to present his latest film, Best Friends, Volume 1. I'll go to that one. Cool. Um, and that's what's uh, kind of the big thing that's going on at the Alamo Draft House this month as more stuff is announced. We will announce it, but the big stuff is this, uh, uh, is Studio Ghibli and um, Ghibli and uh, why can't I talk right now? And Joe Kelly. Maybe yep. Brad can bail me out. Brad, what's going on around town? Hey, film buddies, follow me around Denver. This week, The Midnight Esquire is Get Out. So if you didn't get a chance to see that in the theaters a couple months ago, this is your probably last chance to see it. Yeah. Um, and then the drive-in is still doing Tomb Raider, Annihilation, and <clears throat> yeah, I'm drawing a blank. What was it? Game Night. Cool. Annihilation that's probably a the really... drive-in might be really fucking solid yeah that's a that's i mean i haven't seen game seen game night yet but i i only hear great things so that's that's Shit. like a really nice lineup yeah and that might be your other last chance to see <laughs> annihilation <laughs> is the drive-in yeah eight dollars three movies i believe they open at six thirty, and they're only doing thursday through sunday right now so shoot there's a good chance that the weakest film there is tomb raider and i really like that movie so that's that's a really good lineup you don't have to sit through Secret Life of Pets to see good movies. <laughs> <laughs> Not anymore. Yeah. Yeah, Secret Life of Pets is awesome. I've seen it like 600 times. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. I'm sorry. I shouldn't and judge a book by it. it keeps getting funnier every time I see it. <laughs> oh, she's so big. It's scary. Can I be scary? I don't know. Um, <laughs> Remember how great Michael Keaton is in that movie and how shitty the rest of the movie is? <laughs> That's a really good Michael Keaton impression, by the way. Not bad. Thank you. <laughs> hey, babe. <laughs> That's more of a Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, it's more Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, I can do Beetlejuice. I don't think I could do Michael Keaton. Yeah, can you? Can you do? I mean, maybe with enough drinks. <laughs> yeah, can you do? Do do a good Which multiplicity. <laughs> there are so many guys here who are trying to be me. I don't know any lines from Michael <laughs> <laughs> multiplicity. Uh, what about Spider-Man: Homecoming? Um, say the world's changing, boys. About time we change with it. The world's no. changing, boys. <laughs> <laughs> you see, Peter, I love my daughter. <laughs> That's just you. 
Yeah, I can't. I can't be Michael Keaton. I can be Beetlejuice. <laughs> yeah, because it's Michael Keaton and just with a gruff voice. <laughs> Isn't it the 30th anniversary of Beetlejuice? It week? is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 It's so, also the 28th anniversary of Ninja Turtles. It is. So. so much like Ninja Turtles, just fast forward to the good parts. <laughs> I'll kill you. I'll leap over the table. And uh, which is which is the, the Michael movie. Bay film, right? Your face in. No, you, my mi- God. you, mi- you Michael Bay. You're, you you fast forward Mike, all Mike. the way to the Michael Bay movie. Actually, I will say that uh, I mean Ninja Turtles at least has Shredder, and Shredder's a cool villain. Well, I mean, yeah. Beetlejuice is a cool villain. The problem is, is he's only in the movie for like. Yeah. No, I'm not even joking. I think it's like ten, twelve minutes. Yeah. It's like and, Godzilla. Yeah. <laughs> but Godzilla's good. Beetlejuice right. is the Godzilla. I'm just saying that he's only in the movie for eight minutes, and that's what you came for. Mm-hmm. You know? My it's biggest a- complaint about that Godzilla movie is there's not enough Godzilla. Similarly, there's not enough Beetlejuice. But is it one of those things where, too, is it too much Beetlejuice to be bad? Like, too much Jack Sparrow? Kind Probably. of. It depends on your feelings about the Beetlejuice cartoon show. If you feel like the Beetle- Beetlejuice cartoon show is gold, then no. That was a fun show. I like watching that. Yeah. Yeah, but it's also, he's not quite Beetlejuice. Yeah, it's the yeah. you know. kid-friendly one. Man, yeah. yesterday would have been a great day to announce Beetlejuice goes Hawaiian. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know. <sighs> Must we go tropical? <laughs> you know, the, 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 what I do like about Beetlejuice, the character, though, what Michael Keane does really well, is not only, uh, obviously, his spiel and stuff, but if you watch him, he does some like really funny stuff, like where he pretends to jerk off. Oh, we don't know if Bank is scary, and he's like jerking yeah. off. It's great. He's awesome. Hey, nice fucking model. <laughs> and you're like, oh, this is funny. And then it's 50 minutes before he shows up again. Of Alec, <laughs> of Alec Baldwin and Gina Davis. And I like Gina Davis. I mean, she's good in Cutthroat Island. I always forget the Dick Cabot's. Well, in that movie. okay. He's he's one of the guys at the dinner table. Mm-hmm. I just doing some random Gina Davis movie. I was gonna say she's not. No one's good in Cutthroat Island, but I love it and I own it. But I, no I one's love good. That the trailer in that movie. uses the Army of Darkness theme. Yeah, <laughs> uh, there are only five pirate movies. You have to love all of them. Like <laughs> there's there's some kind of when when a genre is so underserviced, Captain you Blood. just have to be okay with it. <laughs> we well, got the Caribbean. Pirates of the Caribbean. Yeah, I'm I'm counting uh, Eric the Viking as a pirate. Uh, film. Master and Commander. <laughs> is that sure, yeah, sure, I yeah, so. count it. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. It's not really one, but we'll put it on there because it's people uh, yeah. on the sea. What What are my options? Shoot. Peter Pan. Count Contiki. I don't give a shit. Like, just put more movies on water. Jaws. <laughs> Jaws is a pirate film now. There's ten. <laughs> Could be. There are ten pirate films. Quint is a pirate. Yeah, because they also go hunting. Four Jaws films, so there's three more for you. Well, okay. I guess I'm counting, like, the Pirates of the Caribbean movies as, like, one franchise. What if they go underwaters? Does the Abyss count, then? No. Oh. No. The Abyss does not count. <laughs> what about Pirate Radio? Nothing in that movie floats. <laughs> pirate Radio. <laughs> pirate Radio counts, though. <laughs> Hey, what's happening in the world of movies in a segment we call Movie News? It's real news! Steve Bochco died this week uh, at the age of 74. Known uh, for showing men's ass on TV. <laughs> that's, that's what Zach said. <laughs> that's who what said? Uh, that's, that's what Zach said. He was like, yeah, was like I'm oh, still yeah, pissed. He's the man who showed me Dennis, Dennis Franz's ass, so maybe he should burn in hell. Um... Uh, no. Yeah, Work on I, your delivery, Zach. James laughed at mine, didn't laugh at yours. <laughs> Same joke. I'm not. I'm not looking for same appro- joke. I never look for approval. Um, he uh, <laughs> from us or your parents. So you're just disappointing all the way around. I know. <laughs> my at my episode last week brought America together by just saying let's not give Zach attention. <laughs> um, 
Yeah, no, he, but he he did Hill Street Blues too as well. Which yeah, was he did Hill Street Blues. NYPD Blue. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, um, I, yeah. He did other basically, stuff too, basically like the grandfather of crime procedurals yeah. in a lot of ways. I will say too, ones. I'm never going to grow up because I laughed at the episode name this week because you put rim job in it. I'm like, he, no. <laughs> rim bot. Yeah, I'm but, talking rim bots. Yeah, but like I still think of rim job. <laughs> the the, yeah. the original was a uh, Pacific Rim job. Yeah. Yep. So that, that's even more that's where mind my, my mind went. I know it's hard to like not make that title that. <laughs> so. Well, anyway, that was our eulogy for Steve. <laughs> <laughs> Remember those shows he made twenty years ago? Yeah, no one cares. Move on. Um, uh, something Just about kidding. room jobs. I, I hey, argue he died. That he... Every cop show since then oh, yeah. has been oh, like, yeah. recycled. Oh yeah, in, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Each, each time he broke new ground. Like Shoot. he broke different like rules that you weren't supposed to break. Even the, even the 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 shows that like you know play on that and have a weird twist like like dexter is basically a really weird twist on that that on that genre Mm -hmm. they're just paying homage to the stuff that he that he did anyway right you know um if you watch those uh like series that cnn did on the decades they did one on um both hill street blues and uh nypd blue and they talked like extensively about how that sipowitz character like changed television for a good chunk of time yeah yeah he uh he had a rare form of leukemia uh, and died at seventy four, which he fought for a long time. Fuck diseases. So yeah, but good for him. That was a that's a good long stretch, and he did a lot and of yeah, good stuff. Yeah, I did a so. lot. Um, oh, I just totally closed that tab. Um, Netflix is maybe talking about buying Europa Core uh, or Corp. I'm not entirely sure how the French pronounce Corp. I don't care. I mean, whatever. They can buy anyway. whatever garbage they want. La fille Uh Which, if you're for those who don't know, that's the one that Luke Besson owns and has the weird fairy in the middle. Um, and they own Taken and Valerian. Creators of and the Circle. And plenty of other great things you might want. The Circle. <laughs> yeah, creators of the Circle. We can finally get that Circle TV show that I've yeah. been wanting. <laughs> anyway, uh, so maybe, well, maybe Scarlett Johansson will get a Netflix Lucy TV show. That, that'd be okay. No, it wouldn't. Shut up. Uh, <laughs> anyway... <laughs> Um, I, I actually, f- I think this is more interesting because just cause I like the idea of Netflix just going ahead and buying a studio and just <laughs> basically owning some, I mean, in the great Disney versus Netflix war of 2022, yeah. the real decider will be who owns more content than the other. Um, you know, as the two of them race to be the only two media <laughs> organizations that you subscribe to, um, the question will just be like, who has the bigger catalog? Who's, so. who's the one that's doing the Taken yeah. TV show or did the Taken TV show? Dude, that came, that shit came and went. I, I know, mean, but like maybe Europa, now Europa Corps owns the Taken franchise, so mm-hmm. I'm sure they have a. Fra- I I don't know where that host. I th- I think that was on FX, wasn't it? I th- possibly. So then maybe that means Netflix can do something with it. Maybe I don't know. What I don't. Give I, I, I don't care. I don't care uh, either. Just give me more Sunny. Yeah, it's always Sunny, but that's not Europa Corps. No, that that's FX, which is yeah. now owned by, Le or Sunny. would theoretically be owned by Disney, should everything go go through. Di- that's that's Disney uh, Disney's Marvels. It's always sunny in Philadelphia. <laughs> a, <laughs> so- a Star Wars saga. Um, we're, I'm just gonna say Bill and Ted Three. Still talking about it, and we should we should always keep talking about it. We should never lose hope. Still, maybe a thing. Uh, we should I, always. Be excellent I, to each other, guys. I just don't know that I care that much, other than the fact that I want to see Keanu Reeves do something funny and way throwback and like not take himself seriously in a in a John Wick two three world. Like I want I want to see, see Keanu Reeves just be slapsticky and weird. I 
I I I want to see it done too. My only my question has always been though, as long as they've been talking about this, is how do you how do you get rid of the Rufus character because he's go, because he's not George Carlin's dead. Yeah, I know they could probably do a different cipher one. Yeah, I just re- recast him as somebody who's also an old comedian. Get Christopher, yeah, Christopher Plummer. Plummer. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but I, yeah. I want to see it. I liked that uh, anniversary photo they did for EW. That just made me smile. Yeah. Yeah, that was really and, good. And I, and I was like... Oh, that was part of it. Was seeing that photo, I was like, oh, Keanu Reeves, you look like you're having fun. Yeah. I, I, I want you to have fun. I, I fucking love Bill and Ted. I saw Bill and Ted before I saw Back to the Future, so it's has a special place in my heart. <laughs> it's the chime, my time travel movie. Uh, in other news, um, Amazon is reportedly paying $1 billion... One billion dollars. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, For the TV series The Three-Body Problem, uh, which would make it the most expensive first season of a television show ever. Wait, they're paying Um, a billion to make it? A billion dollars. This is, is like, not necessarily confirmed unless you see their balance, their their, their P&L, obviously, but... That's what people are saying. Brad, remember is, that millionaire or zillionaire we were talking about yesterday, last week that would make the restoration for Super Mario Brothers? Mm-hmm. I think that this is the same guy. Like He's going to pay a billion dollars for a TV show. Yeah, I, I don't know Jeff what... Bezos? It's, it's an adaptation of Jeff a sci-fi Bezos novel. <laughs> um, I, 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 I guess... I, I it just seems like a lot of money. I mean, that's a lot of money. Like it was ridiculous, you know, ten years ago when they paid a million dollars for the pilot of Lost. Like that was that was crazy money. The idea that you would invest a billion dollars in a TV show. What's it about? <laughs> uh, it's a here we go. Set against the backdrop of China's cultural revolution, a secret military project sends signals into space to establish contact with aliens. An alien civilization on the brink of de- of destruction captures the signal, captures the signal, holds the signal ransom. What? A, how, that's weird phrasing. Sorry. Captures the signal and plans to invade Earth. Meanwhile, on Earth, different camps start forming, planning to... Either welcome the superior beings to help them take over the world seen as corrupt, or to fight against the invasion. It's V. Uh, the invasion is a, or the result is a science fiction masterpiece of enormous scope and vision. So it's basically like a new version of V, where nobody eats any like guinea pigs. Um, so, so well, I guess that makes sense because first they got to go to China to film, and then yes. they got to go to space. So that Which is the we all know are the two most expensive places to film guys. Yeah, the argument here is that it, it is very much angled towards Chinese audiences and Which they're hoping smart. yeah, I mean <laughs> basically <laughs> Amazon <laughs> is hoping <laughs> that they can go make a shit ton of money. Um well, and that was racist. <laughs> it's uh, funny my little guy he's embarrassed to go poop in people's houses. So oh yeah? he, so he'll like lay on the ground and not move and be really quiet and then I know he has to go potty. And so yeah. he's really quiet in there. So you just have to take him in there and just yell at him like, poop! <laughs> poop! It's okay to poop. It sounds like a ghost telling someone to poop. Yeah. Poop. That's why he, he told me I'm the a- other day, so I do have a bad mouth and he repeats what I, I say all the time. Yeah. And me and Laura went to a uh, a restaurant and we were sitting there waiting to be sat and Kellen brought his dinosaurs in. So he likes Robosaurus. Robosaurus is the thing that picks up cars and eats them. Um, for some reason, when Kellen says... Robosaurus, he's like, Robosaurus is going to eat your fucking car. And, <laughs> but, 
but it's funny because he has a hard time saying F, so he usually says ducking car. Um, and so we were at this restaurant, and you just tell people that he's saying truck and car. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, so this lady said, "Oh my, what a scary dinosaur!" He says, "He's gonna eat your fucking car." <laughs> and, uh, and my wife is just like laughing, and I, I didn't even hear this conversation, but she's laughing, walking, and she told me the story. So last night, uh, Kellen's like, "Daddy, Robosaurus is gonna eat that fucking car." I said, buddy, we don't say that. We say silly. He says, or we can say fucking. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But, but here's the thing is uh, that's actually my wife's fault because I never describe things as like fucking, fucking? something. Yeah. My wife will go around like yeah, that fucking dishwasher. And Laura doesn't really have that bad of a mouth. No. Yeah. But on specific but she doesn't realize, things. Yeah. And she her cadence is very distinct. So because she would say the fucking dishwasher. Right. So that's how Kellen says it. And right. I mean, I can't get mad because he's actually using it properly. Right? Yeah, he's he understands the language very well. Yeah, um, but it's funny. Which, yeah. is, a, which so, is a great way to bring it up to the parents of the parent teacher. Exactly. Conference. So look, he's using proper pronunciation. Exactly. <laughs> so I'll be there very early in his school career about him cussing. <laughs> Tell the teacher you don't know what you're fucking talking about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I just thought it was funny because he's so serious. Or I can say fucking. <laughs> can't argue with that. <laughs> All right, what's uh, this movie news? Uh, last couple of things. Uh, Hulu passed on Lock and Key, uh, the, a, the TV show. So that just once again, work. I know they people keep trying, and I it will work. It, I, I mean, they're just I trying could, to unlock that door. I could do it. Like it makes total sense. Um, in a world where well, put you, your freaking English degree to use. Write it and send I it should. Um, I mean, it it wouldn't have worked 15 years ago when shows mm-hmm. needed to not like in a pre lost world where you couldn't sure. just end. You couldn't have a predetermined end. Like it's a show where every season is going to move your story forward and then there's going to be an end. But other than that, like you, it, it is doable. Um, yeah. Anyway. So yeah, they pass on it. Someone will find will eventually do it. Um, Material's too good for them not to work. Yeah. Uh, Damon Lindelof is apparently making a Bloomhouse film. Um, Ooh. which I'm excited for, but I mean, of course I'm excited for it. Um, it's called The Hunt, and he's co-written it. Um, is he going to direct it, or is it just I co-writing? I don't think so. Uh, I think. Oh no, yeah, the movie will be directed by uh, Craig Zobel. Um, okay. And he co-wrote the script with Nick Cuse, who I think is yeah, he's uh, yeah, he's Carlton Cuse's son. Um, so that's that's pretty familiar. So. Um and Zobel's a guy who did like some episodes of Westworld and American Gods and so anyway, um, yeah, oh oh he's the guy who directed Z for Zechariah and Compliance which are uh Compliance cool a, and yeah. interesting respectively yeah um, Compliance is a rough watch yes and Z for Zechariah is 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 good and and cool and weird and different but cool uh yeah anyway I I will watch that. Uh, and then very last thing, um, Cameron Diaz died this week. I'm sorry, retired <laughs> retired for this week. Um, wow. I didn't know James felt that way about Cameron Diaz. <laughs> Kick a lady while she's down. I'm just kidding. Did she say why? Like, uh, I just, no one's I casting her anymore. <laughs> yeah. She's waiting for the mask, too. You know, it's one of those things where when somebody brings her a script that she would actually be really good in, I'm sure she'll come back. Charlie's Diaz. Angels 3. Oh, yeah. The Count Thoreau. Dude, dude, if Mick G made Charlie's Angels 3, I would see that shit. Justin Thoreau reprising his role as annoying as shit villain. Yes. That's, that's full throttle. It's a terrible film. 
terrible film. I'm gonna say it again. The Counselor Two. Okay, let's, let's stop just, it. Come on, stop it now. Now you're you're being more mean than I was <laughs> when I said she was dead. Like, don't pick on her. She did something like daring and weird, and they vo'd her whole her whole role. Like, and it was probably bad. To be fair, it's like, like her performance in, was probably um, bad. What was that action movie by Son- uh, Soderbergh? What Son- what, who am I Oh, Haywire. Yeah, Haywire. Oh, yeah. Gina Carino. She still pops up every now and then. She yeah. was in that... that, that she was in Fast, Fast and Furious? Yeah. Yeah, with a real Seven. voice. that not that bad. I don't know why they dubbed her. Oh, that's right. I forgot that they dubbed her in that movie. Yeah. yeah, that was weird. Oh, anyway. um, Yeah. She'll be in another movie sometime. But she's allowed to take a break from working so hard. There you go. Did everybody anyway. else have like awesome trailers before uh, Ready Player One? Uh, like mine was Avengers, really. freaking Mission Impossible. I got Quiet Avengers, Place. which was cool. It's like all really. I cool got Mission movies. Impossible, but I, I didn't get anything like that. I hadn't watched a dozen times already. I had so many trailers in front of my second Ready Player One that I almost walked out. Yeah, <laughs> I, I came my stay going. Like, oh God, start <laughs> the movie. I luckily saw it in IMAX 3D, which means that they. Like they two. didn't do as many trailers because they were really only focusing on like the IMAX movies that they were showing. You know, I remember when I saw Spider Man. I mean, they, they, they only did like two. they only did like five trailers mm. instead of doing like what day? Because I did that and Sunday. That's what I'm talking about. Were you at the AMC Highlands Ranch Saturday? Oh, same you, theater. Oh, you did the half IMAX. No, I did the yeah, 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 yeah. I did I did AMC fake IMAX. <laughs> Because um, I wanted, I wanted the sound and I wanted the 3D. Because I was like, and it was, it was a time that worked for my schedule Sunday. So, anyway, um, yeah, I didn't really see anything crazy good. Hmm. What, what did you see that uh, was great? No, not it's like it's fun because they're all cool movies. Oh, Jurassic yeah. World needs a new trailer. Oh dear lord, yes. Yeah, I saw Jurassic World, and you know, unless they can't make a new trailer because it's shit, and that's all they can show from it. That's the only footage they have. That's actually the whole movie. <laughs> It's, it's just those those ten beats, but each scene is twenty minutes long. The movie is the island blows up and they just run for an hour. Yeah, I got an email from Amazon saying they can't fulfill my four K order of Jurassic Park. Oh, did you th- that, write them and it thank them? The, the day it it was like Does you it could come pre-order. out like six months away. No, in May. Yeah. So I'm like, what the fuck? But then if weird. you look, it say I can still order it. So now I'm just like, fuck you. <laughs> I'm going to order it from you. That's weird. Maybe it's not fulfilled because it's not shipping until May. Well, no. They sent me an email saying they're not going to be able to fulfill it, and they canceled my order. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's crazy. Huh. So I don't know what's going on. Yeah. They spent all that money making uh, whatever that TV show but I But then they keep was. on saying recommended on your shopping, and it keeps on popping up. Now they're just teasing you. So I wonder if I should just reorder. I wonder if it was like an old skew because I was... ordered it the day it was announced. Did you get that email yesterday? No. Was it a prank? Mm. No, I got it like a couple weeks ago. Oh, okay. I was just too mad to tell, talk about it until now. <laughs> are, you, are you getting the whole set or it's just yeah. like the first movie? Uh, the whole set because it comes with a really sweet, like I like the T-Rex on it. And like right now on, right now on Amazon, it's 40 bucks for the whole set. I think Best Buy's doing a steelbook set, yeah. like a dual thing. By the way, do you need uh, spines for your Spider-Man steelbooks? Um, no. No. Why, are you going to make me some? No, I ordered some. Someone else makes them. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. But it, they were like, buy three. or uh, Yeah, buy two, and you get a third one free. So oh. I'll have three sets if anyone needs. Because I don't know if anyone's bought the, the steelbook for the 4K Spider-Man. I never guess I never noticed. Um, they're blank. The spines mm. are just blank. So. Well, I keep mine in. It comes in like a plastic thing. Yeah, keep mine in that. 
But if you have an extra one, I'll take it. Yeah. Figured some people like, and it also comes with a homecoming one. So, oh. in case you wanted to be consistent. <laughs> so, speaking of Blu-rays, I guess. Yeah, yeah, what's coming out? <laughs> Way to go, Brad. Segway. DVD releases and Blu-rays. There's not jack shit this week. An um, ironic twist: the inventor of the Segway <laughs> drove one off the side of a cliff. Oh, true story. <laughs> I don't ride the wild mouse. It's not safe. <laughs> What's really bad is when you said that, my brain, the first thing I thought was, you mean Steve Wozniak? And then I went, no, 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 he's just a big fan. He's, he didn't invent <laughs> it. I forgot. Um, what I just did was a joke as a deep cut from Mr. Science Theater 3000. Yeah. <laughs> Super deep. <laughs> uh, Insidious, the last key. Um, Which I didn't get a chance to see, but I'm sure if I wait two or three months, it'll be $8. <laughs> yep. I, I, uh, I still haven't seen the third one yet, so hmm. um, good. I'm behind. There is there was apparently a movie called Father Figures that <laughs> oh, yeah. has Owen Wilson and Ed Helms. Yeah, it was supposed mm-hmm. to be bastards. Then wow, wow, you're my dad. Why would you write a movie and call it <laughs> bastards and think that it was going to get made? There's no way anybody's going to make them. They couldn't make a movie and call it uh, Cock Blockers. Uh, They're the, not. I saw the trailer. Yeah, we saw bastards. the trailer from it in front of Masterminds. Really? And that, it was yeah. called Bastards. Yeah. Wow. 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 Oh, wow. <laughs> and then they were like, we're going to push this to holidays and change the name and trick people into thinking it's a family film. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, the trailer yeah. didn't make any sense, too, because they're they're saying, you could be our dad. And they had, like, Ving Rhames. I'm going, what? How could he? They're two white guys. And their mom is Helen Mirren, right? No, uh, I mean, Glenn Close. Glenn Close. Yeah. So it's. That do, what? Yeah. I, I think that's not that much of an anomaly. I think that does happen. Like, two by way. Like a black guy and a white girl make super white dudes. Well, yeah, the, like those guys are super white dudes, but like I think the it's not unheard of to have a mixed race. Well, no, I'm not saying that, other. but yeah, Owen Wilson doesn't look mixed raced at all. I think the point <laughs> is that they're stupid and they are trying to search. for Well, maybe we could see the movie not. now that it's on Blu-ray. Yeah, maybe we could. Uh, Shout Factory this week is releasing a uh, a Shout. Brie Larson film that Shout. I have never heard of. Uh, yeah, from last year called know. Basmati Blues, oh, where yeah. it's I, a Bollywood movie. Yes, she. Uh, it's the tagline is "Journey to a place with a rhythm all its own." I'm pretty sure she goes to India and falls in love with this dude on the cover. And he Gloria Estefan has a theme song. Really, the rhythm's gonna get you. I'm just kidding. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Spoiler alert for what I've been watching later. Um, Audrey from 24 mm-hmm. played Captain Marvel in the animated, really Marvel movies. Oh, yeah. I do. I do like Brie Larson though. That woman is beautiful. Yeah. Uh, I like the dude's jacket on this cover. It's like this cool gold paisley. It's dope as hell. I want this guy's coat. Uh, now, I will say this. Um, while I would buy this movie just for this guy's jacket on the cover, I would not buy this movie just for how bad the Brie Larson Photoshop is on this cover. Mm. Why would you Photoshop her? She's beautiful. It, this is like this is like that thing they do with the Bruce Willis where they take oh, her head yeah, off of yeah. something else and put it on, on, on a weird body. This looks like they took someone else. This, this looks like they took a photo from her on the red carpet and Photoshopped that head onto this body. Mm. Uh, it's very strange. Um, so, but we didn't talk about it in news, but there was all that kerfuffle because um, uh, uh, Elizabeth Olsen got pissed because of how terribly photoshopped she is in that new i think it was empire magazine which i even saw the cover and i was like what the fuck did they do to her face like they made her head a whole try she looks she kind of looks like laura croft from tomb raider 3 like the the video game mm-hmm. like it's bad 
Mm. Um, anyway, go look that up. It's a it's a shit show. Um, anyway, Beast of Burden, starring Daniel Radcliffe, is out on Blu-ray this week, uh, which was a movie from this year. Pretty, pretty, it's only pretty, ninety pretty minutes long, girl. so you can check that out. <laughs> this is a movie where he travels through time to be in the army and also fly a Cessna. I'm guessing. I have no idea what this movie's about. He's Harry Potter. He can do whatever he wants, man. It says lines are meant to be crossed, and then he's just staring at me like he's going to hurt me. I wonder if he takes a bridge to Babylon. Maybe. That's a Rolling Stones joke. <laughs> I love how all the titles are just like lining up exactly with you to do a musical. musical <laughs> I know. Reference. It's pretty it's, awesome. It's great. Yeah. Well, let's hear one about Ballers Season 3, which is out on Blu-ray this week. Uh, ballers? I wish I was a little bit taller. I wish I was a baller. If I had a girl, I know I would call her. All right, this is pretty good. Boom. <laughs> A.K.A. Sports Entourage. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going to throw you a, a pretty a, 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 a tough one here okay. because we're moving into the Damon Wayan sections of the show. Uh, as Are these all Kino? Yeah. So Kino is releasing a bunch of Damon Wayans films. Blank man. Including, no, actually, when I say a bunch, there's really just two. Uh, it's it's the most underwhelming run of films of re-release films. Uh, this is Celtic Pride, uh, Celtic Pride, eh. on Boston Celtics. Eh. It's the luck of the Irish. You know, if they want to pronounce Danny Celtic incorrectly, boy, that's on them. Danny boy. <laughs> uh, this is a movie. Where Kathy, oh, Kathy, your voice piece of an angel. I don't think you're so big a bone. <laughs> the Wet Bandits. And I'd like to come over and roll in your clover and kiss your blarney stone. <laughs> this is a movie where the Wet Bandits and the dad from My Girl kidnap a black man, based on the cover. <laughs> so maybe controversial. Check that out. Uh, and then also The Sixth Man. Uh, these are all basketball movies, but they, it also stars Damon Wayans. Uh, and Kadeem Harrelson. Swish, Hardison, swish, bish. Hardison. Another one in the basket. <laughs> there you go. There's two more freaking. Um, doing well. Yeah. 1997 <laughs> hit. Is this our musical episode? <laughs> it you is. Challenge me to come up with I, a musical know, number. It's true. <laughs> challenge uh, accepted. There you go. Earlier today, like I, I, I was in a nap and I was dreaming of the Weird Al concert we're supposed to go mm-hmm. to at the end of the month. Or start next month. And the we got up to the table to do autograph signing and weird Al told me he wasn't going to autograph anything. And then it suddenly turned into a speaker that was like, I'm not here. It's like, what am I paying $350 for? (laughs) That's a weird dream, Brad. Maybe you should take a break, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) It's very disturbing. Yeah. And then suddenly it was like late at night and then And then you're just like, everyone was gone. Did that just happen? Or am I coming down from that peyote? I just smoked. (laughs) Zoolander fans? Uh, anybody? Hello? No. We do movies here. Wealth and knowledge. <laughs> My Dewey Decimal System for movies is quite large. A Study in Terror is out on Blu-ray this week, which is Sherlock Holmes taking on his greatest mystery, Jack the Ripper. Yep. <laughs> it's a film from 1965. Yep. So you can see that. It's okay. Uh, and then from for last thing from Severin this week is... The Sadist of Notre Dame, uh, which is a movie where a guy holds a knife in front of a church. What a sadist. Yeah. <laughs> That's about it. That's the whole week. Hey, we also watch movies throughout the week in a segment we call What You've Been Watching. I always feel like somebody's watching me. So, uh, yeah, this is the stuff we've been watching. We are going to have to pay so many musical rights well, this season. Kept episode. it way under 30 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> 
And in, since I can't sing, it's a parody. Also true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's really good. Yeah. Zach? Um, what I've been watching this week? Um, not a whole lot. Um, no I, documentaries? Uh, I Not a full one. I, I finished up that Wild Wild Country thing on Netflix um, about the... Rajneesh Param cult in Oregon and shit that that shit ended as crazily as I expected it to from the moment it started like it's it's just it's ridiculous and it's not like sleazy or anything like I just suggest you check it out um I rewatched Anchorman because I hadn't watched Anchorman in a hell of a long time and it's a good movie uh, that movie is still great yeah um it's uh I've I keep forgetting uh, some of the cameos that are in it. Like, I mean, I uh, Vince Vaughn and Ben Stiller are kind of obvious examples, but I forget Tim Robbins plays the uh, the PBS anchor. Yep. And PBS News, <laughs> and he has like a corn cob pipe. We we here at we here at um, uh, public broadcasting are all down with the whole women's women's lib thing, and then he shoves her into the bear pit. <laughs> <laughs> um, and also, like, um, I love Steve Carell as Brick, and like, that's like where he gets his like kind of like start, like. Oh yeah, the Steve Carell's great. Him, yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, that was fun. Uh, rewatched Silence of the Lambs again, and uh, in a post me watching Hannibal World, I will concede to you, it doesn't feel as amazing as Hannibal sometimes. But yes, that being said, that James movie, wins that, four seasons in a movie. That that season. That that being said, that. That movie is still holds up for me and like oh, in yeah, my, still in great my movie. yeah it's in my head like I it's fine it's um <laughs> Doctor Doctor um uh, Chilton's um uh or Doctor yeah it's Doctor Chilton the guy who holds Hannibal in the asylum yeah yeah, yeah the the uh, d bag he, he, the way they do him in the movie as opposed to the series is is I feel like a little bit like uh, it's uh, it's night and day yeah in my opinion so like um. Although I do like that they bring that same guy from Silence of the Lambs into Hannibal um, for the for those brief moments. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, and it's shot super well. Like De- Demi is fucking great. Mm-hmm. And I also always forget that Roger Corman has a vital role in the film. Like if it's not if not for five seconds, <laughs> hmm. um, he has he plays one of the guys that has to give the FBI a certain piece of information. It's pretty cool. Oh okay, um, I remember that. So yeah, um, I uh, I picked up the first season of Matlock. From work because I yeah, awesome. This uh, is awesome. So so I haven't watched the series yet because the pilot is a uh, hour and a half TV movie called Diary of a Perfect Murder, um, which starred and if you don't know what Matlock is, it stars Andy Griffith as a simple country lawyer, yeah. um, who uh, works on cases with his daughter, um, and they have they get help from a sleek private investigator. Um, uh, who also likes to play the stock market, but Diary of Perfect Murder, murder, an hour and a half pilot for what ends up becoming Matlock, is like is only saved by Andy Griffith. Like, there's no other reason to like watch this pilot other than him. Yeah, and like, and 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 I'm fearing that that's what the whole series is going to be. That's totally it's what just, the whole series is. Well, I don't like, know. Are I, you crazy? I, I, I kind of want like more dynamic range out of the other two people he's working with because nope. they're not charismatic at all. Yeah. Um, no, no, no. The reason you watch Matlock is because it has adorable old man Andy. Uh, like, Yes. And keep in mind, I had never seen Matlock before. I just only known it as a reference on The Simpsons and that one time they showed Andy <laughs> Griffith being chased down the street by old ladies. Sure. Um. So like it's. It's an interesting like story and whatnot, I guess. Like it's it's definitely like eighties law drama. Like you can call the 
that you can call everything that's going on from a mile away. Like, you know how he's going to solve it because they're using it's, – it's a TV reporter's been murdered. Of course they're going to use TV clips to solve this mystery in the courtroom. Um, so, But it was fun to watch Andy Griffith, like – like do what he does very well at at, at such an, an elderly age, like still kicking ass in that regard. So I want to keep watching the show. Yeah. Um, because like, if nothing else, like I, I got this for free at work. So what's the worst that can go wrong? It's just wasted maybe a an hour a day of my life. Cause that's about how long an episode is. Yeah. So, um, I did hear though, in reading about it, that, uh, the Dick Van Dyke show diagnosis murder. Um, there's a crossover between the two at some point. So, um, and apparently it exp- that episode explains why Matlock loves hot dogs. So I'm going to stay tuned for this show. <laughs> the, crossover. <laughs> the crossover episode, Dick Lock. <laughs> <laughs> oh, um, man. On the TV front, I also watched the Roseanne uh, reboot. Oh, man. Yeah. Um, I, My problems with it aren't what everyone's yelling about in the news. My problem with it is, is I don't like um, multicam sitcoms anymore. Sure. In the present, like they bother me. I don't know why. Like I don't need canned laughter to push the joke. Sure. Does that make sense? Like, did you need it before? No, but like it's it's charming in like the older stuff. Like I, I don't know why. Like it's it's a little more. Tra- it, it makes sense within the older context. But when I have Arrested Development nowadays, right? That HD look on multicam feels weird to me. Mm. And then using the canned laughter feels even weirder. That being said, though, it's it's Roseanne. It's it hasn't changed. Yeah. Um, to a degree, like the, the whole episode that everyone's making a fuss over is like the only time they're really bringing shit up. And then the second episode is a traditional Roseanne episode. Sure. Um, and John Goodman's great in it. You know, like what? A, yeah. uh, that's I know. It's as if, though, he's amazing. It's almost like he's the greatest husband ever on television. He, he's like, Dan Connor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. There's a great moment where um, the, the their granddaughter is going uh, like is yelling back and forth with um, uh uh, one of the, the Sarah Gilbert character, and um, she says, "You're ruining my life." And Dan Connors just looking at her, at her so intently and going, "God, I haven't seen that movie in 20 years." <laughs> they say the classics still hold up, and they're right. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's uh, it's interesting. So, good job, Roseanne reboot, I suppose. Um, and then on the TV note, I also finished up Star Trek season three. Cool. So I am finished with the original series. Um, yeah, I don't know, guys. Maybe we can just cancel it. You know, I mean, it's, I mean, three years is enough. And, you know, maybe, maybe they can have their own little convention enough in the valley somewhere. I think we'll be fine. Yeah, we'll bring it back someday. Yeah, maybe. You know, we'll reboot it as like an animated series or something down the line. Yeah. Um, just make a new Star Wars movie. Yeah. I'll kick it. Yeah, exactly. Um, but no, um, the last, the last tail end, like you still get Let, Let That Be Your Last Battlefield, which is a great episode with Frank Gorshin. Um, and then after that, like the last, the last four to five episodes are truly just straight up nonsense. Um, although there's like, there's good ideas in a lot of them. Uh, I like the Savage curtain is a, is a fun episode, but I have to get past the beginning five minutes where it's Abraham Lincoln being viewed on the view screen. And then it starts to make sense for me. Uh, the hippie episode is ridiculous. Like it's, 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 it's a straight up precursor to a Jonestown cult, which is very interesting to say the Mm -hmm. least watching it in retrospect. Um, uh, but yeah, so I'm going to move on to the animated series and the movies this week. So, cause the animated series is pretty fucking short. Cool. 
Um, and then uh, the on the movie front, the only other movie I really watched this week um, was Miller's Crossing, which I hadn't seen in a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Coen Brothers that I watch that often, but I honestly should have watched this one again a long time ago because I had a lot of fun with it. That's a, There's this great scene in the movie where Albert Finney is about to get shot up by gangsters, and he gets the upper hand on him, and he rolls off the roof of a house, and then he lands, and then he pulls his Tommy gun out and just starts shooting a guy riddling him with bullets until literally the man cannot stand anymore. It's absolutely insane. I love it. Um, had some great action sequences. And um, Gabriel Byrne's character is really good. I kind of equate it to like, um, like it's just like that. It's the same moral dilemma you get like within a Coen Brothers film, but this time it's on the opposite end of the law, so it's different. Um, so, yeah. <coughs> and then with Brad, I saw Isle of Dogs. Oh, cool. I can take me into how how was I love dogs? I've seen it twice. Yeah. Um. So terrible. I yep. uh, I uh, I liked it a lot. I want to go again. Um. But not at the Esquire because those. I'm a big boy and those seats don't fit me. Um, <laughs> um. But I liked it. Um. I. It felt a lot more more what I would have wanted to see out of a Wes Anderson animated film than Fantastic Mr. Fox was. But then I have. To, but I because I love Fantastic Mr. Fox. But it is. More so a kids' film than this one. This one's um, much more adult, much more hmm. um, d- dirty, quote unquote. I guess is the word. Like it's like a, a, a dog's ear gets lot bitten of, off of, in the first five minutes. A lot of dick jokes. No. <laughs> okay. Like it's just like bi- the violent fact. The violence factor is much more on the level of like something he did in the PG thirteen or R rated range. So, um, which I had to check. Like I thought this movie was PG when I went in. I swear to God. And then what is it rated? It's PG thirteen. Oh, okay. Yeah, but it's and because like the the moment I found out that was not the case is when a, do- a dog's ear gets bitten off, and I was like, oh, okay, so huh, that's what we're dealing with here. Um, but it was great. The voice cast is awesome. Brian Cranston's really good as the lead dog in the movie. Um, uh, the 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 way they homage Japanese films is actually pretty clever. Like just from whether it's cinematography, kind of production design, or even just moving it down toward how the uh, the story is told in its structure is pretty awesome. Um, I I would venture to say, like, if this is... I, I feel like this is a film that I've wanted to see out of him for a while because the last couple of them felt so similar to a degree, and this one kind of breaks from some of his traditional molds, mm-hmm. but it still has his style intact. So, yeah. Um, I, was, I was very pleased with it, so I think you should go check it out. Cool. Brad? Uh yeah, I I enjoyed it a lot too. I had to see it the first time I saw it. I I fell asleep in the middle, so um, I was a little lukewarm by the end because I wasn't sure like what the point of the movie was because I had missed a large chunk of it. The seeing the second time around, uh, it's um the thing Zach didn't touch on is it's his most like relevant movie because it deals with like marginalization of uh, like people in society. Mm-hmm. Except those people mm-hmm. are dogs in this case. Yeah. Um. So it's a, it's a fun exploration of that and, and also like thoughtful because uh, a lot of his stuff is just kind of like here's characters in this whimsical situation. But if you like look at it, step mm-hmm. back and look at it, it's like this comment on society right now. Yeah, it's pretty cool. And then, um, yeah, it's just like fun, dry humor. Um, and yeah, the animation's like just amazing hmm. for stop motion. So all in favor of voting him out of the club forever. <laughs> <laughs> You're gonna see some bitch uh, named not Meg. Um, yeah, I assume it's got sort of that same like I don't know how to describe it other than shaky feel that that Fantastic Mr. Fox did, where like 
like their fur is constantly sort of shaking just oh, as yeah, they constantly moving. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're on an island and the wind is blowing. So oh no, it, 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 uh, not yeah. even as a problem. Just, just you know, um, yeah. What's yeah. even more fascinating is like just because of how that puppetry is involved or has inv- improved when they're shooting it um, in uh, nighttime or like the the day for night or whatever we're gonna do. It, when it's in the dark, the the animation looks like so clean and so crisp. Mm. Like you can you can almost barely tell it's a puppet. Now, granted, that's, that's also cool. with the chief character who's black uh, fur. So yeah, um, but it just looks amazing. So you almost can't see anything at all. Yeah. <laughs> it's a I'm nice touch kidding. when they do stuff on TV screens. It's like traditional two D uh, cell animation. Oh yeah, which is nice. Um, yeah. And they have all the the Japanese characters speaking Japanese. Sometimes they don't even subtitle it because you can just figure out what they're doing, like saying from the actions. Yeah. Um, wow. And all the dogs speak American. That's right. pretty cool. Yeah, they make this cool disclaimer at the beginning about like we translate only what is necessary, um, th- and they explain exactly where you're going to find those translations from, and then everything else is just introduced. Oh yeah, the, 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 all the barks have been dubbed in English. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And then Francis McDormand plays the translator throughout the entirety of the film for scenes that need it. So it's pretty fun. Yeah. And she's got her own little character in and of herself too. Like, yeah. so it's pretty neat. When you say the barks are translated in English, do you mean the dogs say bark or that there's a subtitle of bark? No, no, they're, they're saying like dubbed. <laughs> like, Oh, in the warning, they say that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, funny. Oh, yeah. Okay. One of the first title card that comes up. It, yeah. That's funny. There's like okay. this prologue of like this you. Japanese history. And then I cut to, yeah. Oh, and if you cool. like Jeff Goldblum as of late, get ready to hear him play a gossipy dog. <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Did you hear the rumor? <laughs> cool. So Isle Dogs, lots of fun. And I guess I should keep going because yeah. it's on me, huh? It yeah. is. Um, that was a segue. So I've been uh, digging through the rest of my uh, complete series of The Office box set. Um, and I listened, like, like I, last week we talked about the commentaries and you weren't here, Ryan, because uh, did you watch the complete uh, um, Threat Level Midnight? Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's yeah. great. Because there's more stuff that's in the episode. Oh, yeah. It's... How, long... How long is the... Uh... I haven't seen it in a while. How long is that special feature? Like the actual movie? It's probably like another episode, it, but right? But it feels like a full, like, maybe Like another five o- minutes? office episode, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah, like it just be... It's... That could be the whole episode. It could, yeah. Um, yeah, it was so much fun. That's cool. Um, and then they have, uh, the deleted scenes from a lot of the episodes are like on the commentaries, they talk about how they write like 35 pages for a 22 minute show. Mm-hmm. So a lot of stuff gets cut out and you'd think that, you know, a lot of movies, the stuff that gets cut out is like, yeah, that did, you know, that's weak. It shouldn't be in there. Uh, but like a lot of the office scenes that are cut are like, man, they should just put it back in the show yeah. on DVD because they're just still gold. What I love when I was listening to the commentaries is, you know, I think a, big misconception that show is it's improvised a lot yeah it's but not. it's actually not it's written and the actors are just so good at making it seem and all the camera moves are like yeah. planned out yeah um yeah, it's, it's a brilliant amazing. show yeah. and then there's a uh, yeah the bloop oh the bloopers are amazing oh. uh they have like these long blooper reels on each season um and then uh they did a table read for the final episode on the last disc so it must have been an hour long of watching the entire cast and crew sitting there reading the show. Um, Michael's not in this, for, this version of it. Uh, Cause that is probably like a, like, Hey, we wrote the script and maybe we'll get Steve Carell. Maybe we won't. Let's leave the option open or we're keeping a secret from everybody, mm-hmm. even at the table read. 
but the maybe the best part is the prologue of the episode uh that got cut is jim pranking dwight into thinking that the uh like he's in the matrix <laughs> <laughs> and jim hired like there's a guy's uh Jim hired like 30 actors to like pull this thing off. Um, and Hank is more or Orpheus or something. <laughs> um, and then <laughs> Hank gives him the option of the blue pill, or the red pill. And Dwight like wants to stay in the matrix or something. It's, it's amazing. Um, I still think my favorite prank is Asian Jim. <laughs> yeah. You don't see race. Good for you, Dwight. <laughs> um, oh, there was a, there was a, I think either a deleted scene or a blooper reel where, that didn't make it a show was uh Dwight walks in as a trap door next to reception. <laughs> uh, and it's like, there's a pulley system like linked to the ceiling. And then there's like a lever by his desk. And you know, Dwight's like, Oh, good try, Jim. Uh, he tries to like disarm the, the trap, but as like Dwight's looking away. Jim has a pie in his hand, like ready to slap <laughs> in the face with it. And uh, Dwight catches him. And he's like, Oh, I thought you're going to look away for longer. Uh, so that was fun. And then uh, the last thing is there's a, uh, on the last season, there's uh, the 2003 audition reels and there's like Patton Oswalt auditioning for Dwight. <laughs> really? um, who else? Uh, some other famous people like, and it's, it's crazy. Cause like these, I mean, like Seth Rogen, I think it was also auditioning for Dwight and like their auditions are terrible. <laughs> like they are not playing a character at all. They're just like being themselves. Uh, and then they cut to like John Krasinski and um, Rain Wilson doing the character, and they're like, like dialed into a character. Mm. It's uh, incredible. I, oh yeah, um, what's his name? From Bob Odenkirk is doing Michael, and he eventually played like that other Michael mm-hmm. in the last season. Um, and like he was not that great either. Like I think the Michael character in the Office is one of the most difficult characters in sitcoms, is because he's a not a nice guy, but you also have to make him lovable. Mm-hmm. And yeah. you know, it, it's tough to pull off. Two, it's like they, like he's a straight up dick in the first season, mm-hmm. and then they like dial him back to make him more likable. Yeah, I think it's a tribute to who Steve Carell is because he's a really good actor. He's a great actor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Same thing when they had to they decided to keep Andy on. It's like, like we got to make this guy more likable if he's going to stay on the show. Because you know, I didn't, I didn't. It's pretty. I awful. don't even own the last two seasons because I do not like Andy. Because I think he becomes like whiny, and I really don't understand his arc, and it just makes me miss Michael a lot. Yeah, well, in season nine, he gets back to being, because he's like he's really mean to Aaron mm-hmm. in the last season, and like he gets his comeuppance. But yeah, um, it's just um, interesting that he like regresses instead of yeah. Um, I also saw a. Uh, cinema classic at the Alamo called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers. No. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that one has a great cover. I think we talked about it some weeks yes. ago. Yeah. And I was in for the Hollywood Chainsaw part. Like, that, you stop right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and the hookers. And I was like, cool, I'm going to go see, like, the, I don't know, 80s slasher B-movie that's, you know, they thought it was cool, but it's really terrible. But you watch the movie, and it feels like, they made the movie knowing it was going to be terrible. Oh. So it feels like the characters are acting poorly on purpose. And, mm. um, you know, it's a lot of excuses to just get boobs and blood in the scenes. So there's like this, you know, traditional noir detective guy, but he's like playing it like, like really. The dame walked into the door and I saw her. Right then I knew she was a hooker. Like he's acting like he's cool, <laughs> but like he's clearly not. <laughs> 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 uh, <laughs> 
And then, yeah, it's just like once like the, it starts at a bar and then the hooker will pick up a guy from the bar, take him back and just cut him up uh, and get naked. And then the detectives like onto it. And then it goes like the next scene where that same thing happens. <laughs> and then eventually um, Gunnar Hansen is like oh, this face. leader of this cult. And they're trying to they're really killing all these people to sacrifice them just to, to some chainsaw god or something. The chainsaw gods. Yeah. I like this idea. <laughs> Um, and then there's like this showdown in a Decker. warehouse. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. That's that's all it is. Is like mm. boobs, chainsaws, and bad acting. <laughs> okay. In but, low but, in, but intentional bad acting, and that's the problem. Yeah. Like early on, I was like, man, they. This is bad. But by the end, like the acting feels like they're doing it on purpose. Okay. Unless, like, if it's if it's not on purpose, then wow, I don't, I don't know. Um, like yeah. it has to be because it's it's just so goofy and Which feels a, like it's on purpose. Yeah, it's a subtle difference between I like know, I can't describe it. I mean, when you're making a movie that's called Hollywood Chainsaw Hookers, you know you're making trash. But like, oh, the good ones are when they know they're making trash, but everybody's trying to make it the best. Don't like everybody's like, oh, this is gonna be this really fun. You know, like the the idea is 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 wacky, but we're gonna have a great time and have it be fun and like. Oh man, here's the scary part where the hooker ch- cuts a guy up with a chainsaw, and then you watch the movie and it's like, oh well, yeah, but this is all terrible. Like that's when they're great. Mm-hmm. You really want people with passion who fail. When you have people who have, who have passion to fail, it's not as entertaining. Yeah, and that's like like I regret. It's not fun. Like it's just yeah. like okay, that's exactly what it is, and like there was, I don't know, nothing to do with this premise besides just showing you exactly what the title is. Yeah. So. I think you should remake it and have Ryan play the detective and do that same monologue. Can I play the boobs? Ooh, <laughs> can I play the chainsaw? <laughs> I'm the chainsaw. Wow. That wow. felt like there's a chainsaw on the room. It, it did. Whoa. Just send everybody else home. <laughs> Mel Blank, eat your heart out. Um, and The Last Jedi came out last week, and... Uh, yep. I watched the director and the Jedi documentary on there. Is which... that the first thing you watched? Like before you watched the movie? Oh yeah, I'd, yeah. I've seen the movie plenty of times in theaters to where, yeah. right? Um, and really, that's only the like only really robust feature on the special features for the disc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I mean, if that's all you get, it, it's great because it's, it's almost two hours long, um, and it's probably the most in depth look at watching a film get made. Because um, it takes you like you see this guy who's used to directing indie films, and he's like they even show you shots of him literally signing the contract for this $170 million oh, budget and being overwhelmed with like, man, I got to like up uh, my game and spend one to two months on pre-production, which is not my favorite part. And then globe trot all over the world, collecting all this stuff. And like, we're just wondering like, how do we do this? And I've got this compressed amount of time because, um, you know, they're not giving me Right, all the time I need to do it. So none of his films were made in that short of time. I gotta get, I gotta cut stuff and reduce my vision and uh, play by their rules. And then also shows Mark Hamill um, trying to cope with expecting, like, oh, we're making a new trilogy and Luke's gonna be this hero again, and then realizing, you know, he's sixty years old and he's got to play the Obi Wan role. Yeah. Um. So there's a bit of sadness in his portrayal and. You know, he he disagrees with the vision, but, you know, he's a professional. So he's like, I got to do what the director wants me to do. 
Um, so, and he sort of comes around towards the end of like, you know, I, I, I want to be the action hero and do all the fun stuff that the kids are doing these days, but I'm, you know, six years old. So how realistic is that? You know, the stunt guy's got to do the thing for me. Yeah. So it's the thing. So I, I got it. I was out of town last week and I, I got it on the Disney movie club. Um, but it still hasn't come yet. And I, I realized I accidentally bought the Blu-ray. So I was like, I'm just going to give that one to my mom and go buy the 4k. And it was the only thing I, I have no time this whole weekend, but it was the only thing I wanted to watch, uh, this week was like, I just want to watch that documentary because it looks, I watched the first 12 minutes when they released them online, I don't know, three or four weeks ago. And I was like, this is incredible. I mean, it reminded me of, it reminded me a lot of, um, either the appendices or similarly, the the featurettes that were on that first episode one DVD, which was also, I mean, not as robust mm. as the appendices were for Lord of the Rings, but like those featurettes walked you through everything. Like you got to see them cast Jake Lloyd and you got to see all this crazy stuff. But this one like feels really personal with admittedly a guy I really like and have followed his career since I saw Brick at the Esquire, you know, 15 years ago, whatever it was. Yeah. Um, and it's not just, you know, Hey, we were there at the right time and we found like we collected these shots of B-roll. It's like there's like high-end produced segments of you know, we slowed down the camera to show Daisy Ridley and uh Adam Driver like doing the fight scene or yeah. when Luke jumps across the 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 uh the water to, you know, spear the fish. Um the whole rig of the stuntman flying across there, like there's some high-end produced uh, cinematography in this thing that like they knew they're going into this to like make this documentary. So the thing I would ask that, that I think excites me the most about this and is very different from those other two is that, and you can tell me whether or not it sort of touches on this is that this is the first time that we've seen something like this in this new environment of franchise management that we have now where like, you know, Star Wars was a singular vision, and here's this guy, the, the episode one DVD. Um, with the appendices, like, New Line gave them a lot of freedom and, you know, almost too much, like, a crazy amount of freedom to say, like, hey, you wanted two movies, how about do three? Like, that was almost a, you know, it was it was not a singular vision, but it was a vision of, you know, Peter Jackson and Philippa Bowens and, um, uh, what's her name? Fran um, Walsh. Fran Walsh. And... And so it's similarly like it's, hey, this is sort of executing a film. Does this one sort of dig into like, but we also have this whole franchise to manage and there's these other moving parts. And and while Ryan Johnson gets to make his movie, he's also sort of beholden to the the greater Disney vision. Um, like, does that sort of peek its head in there? Because mm. I'm, I'm hungry for like them to do this on a Marvel film. Like, I really want to see like like the Rousseau brothers version of this or, or, um, or the one, you know, for, for black Panther something like that, where you get to see like, what does it look like when you've made that film and then the producers come in and look at it and go like, Oh cool. But we got to tweak this and we got to tweak that because we've got this bigger vision in mind. Yeah. Not really. They, they really just stay on like Mark ham. Like Kathleen Kennedy comes in at one point during pre-production yeah. um, and talks about like, you know, how much his vision aligns with what she's looking for and stuff like cool. stuff we know already. Sure. Uh, but no, it really like stays on, you know, him trying to solve problems and, okay. Um, just trying to, you know, cradle this monumental task at hand. Yeah. Uh, with like ver- so little experience. Yeah. Um, so Your footage of Frank guys working that up. Yeah, actually. Yeah. Oh, uh, that's cool. Uh, that's another, that is a great part. Um, 
so they're they've got like the tree all strung up to explode and things and um oh god it's like yes. like mark hamill just like as soon as he saw the puppet he just like broke down oh like, uh, just transformed me back to like 1980 oh um i you know there is a documentary um that i I haven't had a chance to see that one yet, but I always tell people if you want to see a documentary about the the arduous task of making a film, and people might laugh at this, but uh, if you get the director's cut of Rob Zombie's Halloween, mm-hmm. there's a four-hour-long documentary about making it, mm-hmm. and it does every single day of production. So it's whatever monotonous is going on, and there's parts where he's getting mad, and it. it's a really fascinating documentary, and you do... It's a chore to watch it. Not that it's bad. It's just it's four hours. Yeah, so you got to make that commitment. Yeah, and it's an every day. It's like this is what he's doing this day. This is what he's doing this day. How can he get the mask to look right? And it's uh, that's why I'm really excited to see this one. I love when they do pull back the layers because I think lately with Blu-rays because um, people want them to go away. And by people, I mean big box stores want this stuff to go away, physical copies. A lot of special features now are fluff. Oh, I'm yeah. always looking for the real stuff, and that's why I love. You uh, compile a list of like really good movie making documentaries because like this should, yeah. Halloween, uh, the Crystal Lake stuff. Yeah, Thirty Days of Hell, the making of Devil's Rejects is another four hour one. I don't know if they put it on the Blu-ray, but they had it on the original two disc DVD of Devil's Rejects, and it's just as it's basically the Halloween one, but with Devil's Rejects. But he looks like he's having much more fun making Devil's Rejects. Than yeah. he is making Halloween. <laughs> the, the one that's on the 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 Jaws Blu-ray remaster mm-hmm. is really good, yeah. um, but more as a not as much a filmmaking and more like a historical impact of the film kind of you know. Yeah, it's less than yeah. me. And that's you know that's what I miss because that's why I I always mention the Scream Factory stuff because they have people on there that's like this sucked. I'll tell you why this sucked working on this film. Mm-hmm. Not that I want right. to hear that, but I would love to hear. Uh, and and I the Spider Man Homecoming Blu Ray is pretty good, but I would love to hear like Michael Key and say why he didn't want to do the role. Yeah, what made him change his mind? What did John Watts say to him? I want to hear that stuff. And it's they seem so manufactured now because they know they. And I read an article uh, in Entertainment Weekly uh, last week. They had a huge Marvel article, and they talked to uh, Louis D'Esposito, who is basically the he's. Kevin Feige's like right hand guy. Yeah, and they asked him why they don't do the one shots anymore. He's like, well, they don't allow us the time. Because I have now it goes from and you look at their timeline. Yeah, I mean, you're doing one or two movies a year. Now he has to put out three plus market them. And he has says, I have to do so much work. I don't have time to yeah. do the one shots anymore. Well, most of their Blu-ray uh, content is all just EPK content. Yeah. Like it's not it's not anything original. And that's part of probably part of why I'm so hungry for. And it, a lot of it is, you know, the way that Disney runs it. And I want to see the inside of that. Like I'm really hungry for this kind of a documentary mm-hmm. but on on one of those franchises I I, where... i'm hoping it'll happen because this documentary is so well received yeah that i hope it'll be you know there is a room for this mm-hmm. and but it doesn't make him any money no right? I, like, I get it but this blu-ray is not selling anymore because of that documentary no I, yeah i mean that's why i think you can put it on something like black panther because you already know i mean it's made right 1.4 billion dollars already so <laughs> you can you can invest some of that money to make people buy it again. But you can't invest that movie before you've made the movie. No, I agree. Yeah. Like that's that's the problem is it's got to be something like a Star Wars where you know this thing is going to make crazy money. Uh, and there's, there's, there is, I guarantee someone at Disney who's saying it was a mistake because obviously they look at the numbers and go, oh, shoot, this movie was actually in, in actual box office kind of a down, especially internationally. Like, 
maybe we shouldn't have invested the money in a really good filmmaker to go make a documentary about, you know, um, I just hope, I hope they don't listen to that voice. Like, I I think this stuff is great. Uh, You know, that, I would love to see, I think Avengers Infinity War, I'd love to see how they pull that off. One, two, because there's so much happening behind it, you know, when it was supposed to be two parts, and now it's one part, and what's this new, the movie they shot afterwards, where they won't tell you what it is because it's like, well, it spoils the movie. Yeah, they also said it, like, changed from when they, like, from the script they started with. Mm-hmm. By the time they're done editing it, they, it turned into a different movie. So. Yeah, so I'm, I'm really fascinated because, and you, and they know this movie's going to make, it's already outselling everything. That's one where I almost think you, what you do is, because because the Marvel thing is so unprecedented, like, just go to Netflix and be like, hey, we're going to sell you this documentary and you're going to release it. Mm-hmm. Right. Or you even sell it separately. There are enough fans who would want to see it. a full documentary about the making of the, the whole franchise and specifically sort of that culmination of of what Avengers 4 really looks like, especially this week when they're like, just just the title alone is going to scare fans like there's just exciting shit happening that I think we all want to see. I, I have I'm leaning that it's going to be like Avengers disassembled or something. Yeah. If um, and Hawkeye dies on that sure. extras front, if you guys listen to um uh, Shockwaves, um, any episode they did with the Scream Factory guys, which is, I think it's Jeff Nathanson and uh, Cliff McMillan, whoever's on the back of the covers for Scream Factories, they explain why um, most of the studios are actually shooting those down. Sony in particular doesn't want you to do special features on their stuff because they don't want to have to hire a bunch of lawyers to look through and clear every single possible oh, thing wow. imaginable. It's a, it's down to actor names. It's down to like just everyone involved. And that's why they don't deal too much with Sony on their um, on their screen titles. Huh. But like, there are some who are willing to do it, and there are some who aren't willing. But that's like that's a dwindling number nowadays. So like, wow, so something never like, would have like, even thought of that. Yeah, so like, it's it's you have to clear everything. Like that's why you don't get like a director's cut every time you want one. Yeah, is because you have to clear every actor that was in that um, scene that you're inserting back into the movie. And there's a chance that that actor may not even be alive anymore, so you can't clear anything. Wow. Um, so, because they're all under union. Yeah, mm-hmm. especially when you're looking at like older films. Yeah, that's going to be a whole lot harder to dig through. Yeah, yeah. You but, know, but probably. as far as the extras front, like it's just it's not cost effective for them. Like they don't gain anything out of it, as you said. So yeah, they just don't. Yeah, they don't. But I think that to that's, add value to it, they need to. And I, I agree. And I agree with you. Yeah, it's, yeah, I want it. It's. I mean, you know, Screen Factory was running into problems lately because they are starting to get. I wouldn't say bigger movies, but bigger names. Like they ran a problem with Cyborg because Van Damme, and Piranha Two with, with James Cameron. They just announced that came back on. Yeah, I saw now. that. But like you know, they have to delay it because you're right. They have to jump through all this legal stuff. And you're mm-hmm. like, dude, why? Who cares? You put out a movie in 1980, and it's a fucking shitty movie, and everybody knows it. Just, I would have a sense of humor about it. I, you know, you just eventually you got to say, yeah, I was in this movie, and this is what I, I did. I'd be curious to hear in maybe a year from now if they do another interview with like Shockwaves or Movie Crypt or something like that. What delayed Piranha Two? I'm sure. It's I'm wondering Cameron. what delayed that. I guarantee that, it's James Cameron. Yeah, I, I think so too. But I want to hear them say it, but not say it like they did for uh, Death Becomes Her. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so, anything else, Brad? Uh, the last thing I want to say about the documentary is like all the problems you think you have with the movie. Uh, Ryan Johnson kind of defends uh, his choices yeah. as the screenwriter. So uh, fascinating looking to because there's you know things I, I I can't remember anything specific right now off the top of my head, but yeah. I just remember feeling like oh 
I I didn't understand why he did that, but now the documentary that's cool shows me why. Yeah. Um, and it's then gonna be remembered as one of the greatest Star Wars movies ever made. Give me ten years, I'll be right. Anarchy. People event. didn't like Empire right out of the gate, right? So yeah. Um, and the last thing I watched was uh, I've been missing Jack Bauer, so I popped in twenty four, live nice. another day. Um, only twelve of the twenty four episodes, but um, uh, he's badass in it when he throws Margot Aharazi out a oh, window. One of my favorite moments ever <laughs> in the series, <laughs> and then uh, decapitates the uh, Chang yep. Lee um, after he doesn't need him anymore because he's so fed up with this shit. Yep, he's that's fin- maybe my favorite moment in the series when he throws that chick out of the window. Oh yeah, because you're like, oh, he's gonna interrogate her again. He's like, nope, <laughs> see ya. <laughs> he's, he's done with this shit. Yeah. It's all like prefaced in the hospital scene when he's just like, I hate these people. Yep. <laughs> like, whoa, <laughs> Jack is done. Yep. Um, and there's some uh, great deleted scenes too. His partner Belichick, like the army has him apprehended and he's like, get your fucking hands off them. <laughs> Pulls a gun on these army guys. Nice. Um, uh, yeah, it's, it, it, it still suffers from like the, the 24 formula where they, you know, it's, you know, this threat and, you know, there's a CTU type, structure and yeah the presidents involved I, I always i always try to get past that because i think it's tr- so well shot and so well acted that i i still enjoy it i think uh having only 12 episodes help yeah helps too because yeah. made it more lean yeah um so you don't like and also uh john boyega i forgot is in That's that season right. as one of the army guys he pilots yeah, the he's drones. the uh, drone guy yeah, yeah. uh but i've you think he's like going to be part of the main arc, but then by the end of the episode, I was like, "Oh wait, he disappeared in like episode three. Yeah. Um. So after Jack gets the uh, flash drive from him, so yeah, I haven't seen that in a while. So I think I'm going to go back and watch all the other seasons. That's a good idea. Yeah. That's all I watched, James. I got nothing. I was gone a whole week. I got nothing. I rewatched The Fifth Element on television. That movie still good. Just saying. Still fun, like a br- like a twelve year old Drew Blade Runner, according to. Is yeah. it edited for television? Yeah, it's <laughs> like a twelve year old Drew Blade Gu- B- Drew Blade Runner. That's exactly <laughs> what it's like, actually. Yeah, still still apt, still smartest thing I ever said. Yep. Uh, so I'll go back a few things as I wasn't here last week. I finally got a chance to see Jumanji. Welcome to the jungle. Oh, cool. Um, yeah, it's fun. Like it's not. It, I always. I think it's interesting the movies that really connect with people, and I mean, I think this movie made like four hundred and thirty million, yeah. something like that. I think it's gonna cross Spider-Man. As yeah, the, the first Spider-Man Sony movie ever and made. Not that it's a bad movie; it's pretty fun. But at the same time, I'm like, huh? I wonder what connected with people because it's fun, but it doesn't scream four hundred million dollar fun. Yeah. Um, the Rock's great in it, obviously. Uh, Karen Gillian's really good in it. Um, I was okay with Jack Black and Kevin Hart. You know, it's who they are. Yeah, um, it's fun. Much, I, much, much like Central Intelligence, Kevin Hart is there. Yeah. Um, also, just mentioned too, I've been playing Detective Pikachu a lot. No, oh. <laughs> it's pretty fun. You just run around as a dude, and Pikachu sounds like Will Arnett. <laughs> and uh, and I have this weird feeling it's going to gut punch me because <laughs> the so the story is is hey buddy is um Pikachu is this kid's dad's partner, and his dad was involved in an accident <laughs> and disappeared, and now this kid can only understand Pikachu and Pikachu can only uh, communicate through this kid. So it's, uh, it's, I think something's going to happen at the end where it's going to make me cry because so you're like solving like Pokemon problems. Like, Hey, this Pokemon used to have flowers on him. Now he has trash. How did that happen? And so detective Pikachu, when you pick him, he's like, Hmm, go look around and see what you can find over here, Tim. And you're like, whoa. Does it like mouth move when he says yeah. it? Oh, wow. So it's like a totally 3D game. And so I was like, man, why did I... And it, I got the huge amiibo with it, 
I'm like, what the fuck does this even do? So I put him on her. It unlocks 150 cutscenes. So I'm like, wow. Wow. Uh, so it's pretty fun. Like, it's it, it's not what I was expecting, but kind of what I was expecting. Yeah. But that I was, I'm enjoying it because I, you know, who knew? Who cool. knew that Detective Pikachu was fun? It's just, it's not challenging. None of the puzzles are hard. Yeah. It's literally like, go ask this person what happened. Oh, he fell out of the tree? How did he fall out of the tree? Okay. And I don't know any of, like, the Pokemons, but fucking Pikachu. I'm like, I'm like, Bulbasaur, I'm, Charizard. I'm like, starved. and I know, I Squirtle. Squirtle. I'm like, starved for a new Switch game, but this doesn't sound like it's, YouTube. it's mine. Uh, well, it's a, <laughs> it's 3DS. a 3DS game, right? Oh. Yep. Why would you put a game out on that? I want a Switch game. <laughs> How do uh, you not, like, at this point, both, like, at the same time? Four. Like, uh,. Why is it also on the Switch? Like I don't know. That's a good question. Seems yeah. like the Switch could handle a D- 3DS game. Yeah, like yeah. you'd be able to put it in its slot anyways. Well, a lot of times it's a controls thing. So if there's any time where you need to click on the screen mm. or anything like mm. that, because the Switch doesn't really have you touch the screen. Well, yeah, I guess in Detective Pikachu, so the game's on top and your journal's on the bottom. Oh, there you go. And you have to, like, select things and yeah, then, things like then, that. Then, then from day one, the, you know, yeah. It's fun. So if you want, like, a different kind of game and that's pretty fun, it's Detective Pikachu is, it's it's um i watched a movie called basket case which i haven't seen in forever it's about this kid who has like his evil half twin that eats people in a basket yeah (laughs) yeah and he goes around killing all the doctors that separated him because they used to be conjoined um it's really over the top uh it's violent and it's weird and it's entertaining and it's really uh lowbrow and is i was listening to the commentary and the director ran out of money to like animate the the blob guy and so he did it himself and it looks so bad Kelly, come on bud and uh but at the same time like oh i i i respect his uh yeah i respect his passion here's a picture of the blob guy but with nicholas cage's face cg over it <laughs> motherfuckers <laughs> um so that's so that's what basketball case is you were yeah, telling me about this yeah yeah if you want to borrow just remind me um it's hideous. it reminds me of that simpsons trials of horror episode where bart has his evil twin up in the attic. yeah it's pretty much the same thing right um on, right on. this guy like the basket case guy eats people. Um, it's fun if you like schlocky 80s horror films with subpar acting and like really cool gore effects. I do like those things. Um, and it's oh, not, I mean, it's still pretty fun. Chainsaw hookers, yeah. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> this, is, uh, this one has, it's, it's bizarre enough where it's, like, there's creativity behind it. It's not just, well, I mean, it is just it's, a guy killing it's, someone. It's but. not just cranberry sauce. Is yes. <laughs> Holy shit, they made at least two sequels. Uh, there, yeah, there's three of them. Um, I also rewatched I, Tanya. That movie's awesome. My wife loved it. Uh, yeah. She watched it with me. Um, yeah, so pick that up because it's definitely worth watching two, three, four times. Her performance is so good in it. And when you watch her, she does, even though you know she's older than 15, she plays it in a certain way that you believe that she's 15. Mm. Uh, and she's really good throughout it. Uh, I'm talking about, of course, Margot Robbie. Uh, I finally saw Murder on the Orient Express. Um ah. It's a good movie. It doesn't really add anything to the the story. Uh, yeah. It's well made. The actors are great in it. And, I mean, you're entertained. Yeah. That's all I can really say about it. Yeah. It's a, you know, if you already know the story, it's kind of hard to, like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. The way he interprets it is interesting compared to the last, inter- like, theatrical yeah. interpretation. Yeah. It, it, to me, too, he kind of plays uh, him kind of like the new Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Where mm-hmm. he's really smart, but he also has quips. 
And, you know, the beginning scene where the policeman's running and he sticks his cane in, it reminds me a lot of Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, with Robert Downey Jr. It is much better than the Alfred Molina TV one. Holy shit, that one's bad. <laughs> I like how he brings scope to it compared to the um, Lamette one. From oh, yeah, yeah. The, I mean, uh, it's, yeah, it's a yeah. well-made film. Yeah. Um, it's just doesn't really bring anything. And if the story's so well-known that... When they're yeah. in the train tunnel, though, like when he, and it's just there's that shot of him up against the mountains and whatnot, like, like snow blowing in his face and whatnot. I, I love the way he's And I love Daisy. I, Daisy Ridley's great in it. So I will argue with you one point, which is I actually think that the way they he changes at the ending, the base, spoilers for Murder on the Orient Express, I would just say the gun move mm. that he makes, which is different, I think is actually brilliant. Yeah. And, and because he's he plays up... You know, it's almost cartoonish how in the in in the um, the Albert Finney version, like he basically all in you know gives his speech, reveals what it is, and in that same moment just lets them go mm-hmm. and says like, "Well, I, but I can't prove it, so you're all good." And you know, whatever. Like the the fact that he takes that and says like, "No, this character would actually really struggle with letting these people go so easily." I think that that to me was really cool, and for, you know, since I really like that character, like that was a, a a good touch. But I agree, like everything else, like the two hours leading up to that are like, "Oh yeah, this is Murder on the Orient Express." Like, yeah. and again, I'm watching a thing I like. Again, That's cool. Well made, well yeah. acted. Um, it's fine. Uh, I took Kellen to see Pacific Rim. Oh, because I knew that he would like robots and monsters. Yeah, and but again, I'm scared because one, the movie's two hours and ten minutes, sure, something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and the last movie I took him to was Coco, and he did not do very well on Coco. Gotcha. So what I did is um, the good thing about um, AMC at uh, Littleton is you can buy your seats. So I bought the seats and I waited. 20 minutes after this scheduled start start time because I knew there'd be 20 minutes of freaking com- have uh, trailers. Yeah. So I walked in and it was one trailer left and it started and cool. He loved it. Like he was sitting there and he would ask me, he's like, why are they breaking those buildings? Oh, look at all that fire. Like really loud. Uh, it was really cute. Um, as far as a movie, man, um, I, I really, it didn't get me. Like I was like, it's fun. Um, but yep. Yeah. Was I mean, it, to you, more of the same. No, not. I actually think Pacific Rim, the first one's way better. Okay. Because um, I thought it, I cared about the characters more. Um, this one is just. Yeah. I guess in my head when I said more of the same, I meant more of the same robots fighting giant monsters and then nothing else. <laughs> but yeah, I yeah. guess you were saying. Yeah. I uh, talked about last week, like when Guillermo del Toro does, like, it has like this really stylish, yeah. uh, moody quality to it. Mm-hmm. This one just seems like A Michael Saturday. Bay. It's a Saturday morning cartoon. Uh, you yeah. can eat and, cereal with it. And I mean, Kellen liked it, and I and I think it it's like Transformers. It appeals to. All right, I'm in. It appeals to him where the the story isn't as important. And I thought Scott Eastwood was terrible in it. Like he he seemed. Oh, I think his 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 character's bland. The it's, writing is so bad. Yeah. It is, but it's still you. So writing can be bad, but you can still be a good actor. Yeah. <laughs> I think he's still learning how to do that job. Quit defending him, Zach. He's horrible in the movie. Shut up. Because <laughs> um, they haven't have that. Like, and I thought it was edited weird. There's some parts where it doesn't seem like they fully explain stuff. You know, there's a part where uh, John Boyega's character is put in the Rangers, and then Scott East was like, "I don't like you." And then they have this like training scene, and then it cuts immediately to him eating ice cream with tons of whipped cream. 
and he's saying, look, man, it's not that I don't like you. It's just you're reckless. It's like Top Gun. And but those actors are good. And I believed them. Um, this movie is just like, I don't know, like some of the effects are cool. Like the giant uh, Kaju was sweet. Um, and the Charlie Day part was just way over the top. Yes. And, and it's like I it, it went from a B movie Rock'em Sock'em with really better characters to a B movie with underdeveloped characters and bad acting. I will say, though, I do like Charlie Day's twist, though. Not necessarily. It, how he it, 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 the twist is fine, but the way it's handled is so B movie, it's bad. Hmm. To be fair, if, unless Guillermo directed it, where are we going to get anything else than that? Well, it, <laughs> maybe I don't know. Maybe yeah. You you do. It, I just don't. Yeah. So it's Drew Goodard, and it's his first directing gig. He's not equipped to handle this. No, yeah. Drew Goodard. Mm-hmm. No, it's it's a different guy. It's Steve McKnight or Steve. Oh, yeah, you know, Steve Denight. You're yeah, right, Steve Denight. I'm sorry, Steve Denight. Like Drew Goddard. Um, would would the movie be better if Scott Eastwood's character were played by Scott Speedman? Yes. Okay. But CG eyed Scott. Yes, Speedman. yes, yes, yes. So yeah, I mean, it was fun, um, but not good enough. Right on. Cool. And uh, the last thing I watched with Kellen too was Star Wars: The Last Jedi, and he loved that movie too. Aww. He watched the whole thing. And he just kept on talking about how the floor but, was on fire. Uh, now, now, like he's too young. Now he'll he'll always he'll never have the great mystery of who is Snoke. Yes, like he'll he'll I just mean, never. He'll I mean, never he'll get to only remember that. that the floor got on fire when the Tie Fighters shot him. But <laughs> but no, he like he sat and watched the whole thing. I was pretty impressed. Cool. I think there's enough going on in it that yeah. he's gonna remember Yoda, Anarchy Yoda, forever. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> That's what I watched this week. Uh, this week on Real Nerds podcast, we went and saw Ready Player One. Brad. Should people press start? Oh. Uh, yeah, looking at the trailer, I had some reservations about this movie. Uh, I, I read the book, and it, it's one of the few times that I've known. Read a book? Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. Uh, oh, I was just making a joke. Terrible. I don't read a lot these days. I just make movies. Um, so, But I also read it in an evening, so, mm. you know, eight years ago. So I didn't remember a lot. Um, <laughs> Is it a short book? No, it's like... The font is big. like an inch thick, mm. um, but uh, yeah, and like the 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 trailer didn't really grab me. But um, I watched the first. I, I've seen it twice, once in regular and also IMAX 3D, true IMAX. You <laughs> son of a bitch! The one at the Center Boulevard, and uh, the first time I was like, "This is fun." And the second time, like, I think I like this movie the most this year. Mm. Um, the ending destroyed me. If you want to see me cry in a theater, you cry. Oh, shit! <laughs> I'm like, stop, stop! And no one can see me, but uh. oh my goodness, he's like, doesn't he fucking cried? <laughs> I'm like welling up. This like old man who couldn't fit in with society and like just felt like an outcast. Old. Oh god! And all he wants to do is hang out with his child, the childhood version of him. Yeah. So we're not in spoilers yet, guys. Jeez. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, so yeah, uh, I, I loved it. Um, I can see why some people would like be put off by the nostalgia stuff and the CGI. Um, but after twice, uh, this, after watching it, the combination of live action and CGI together, like it never took me. It's like, it's a weird situation of the uncanny, uncanny Valley, not, um, being a hindrance, like not. Yeah, not pushing me out of the movie. Mm-hmm. I guess I should say I can't think of the actual verb, but anyway. So yeah, I, I I think it's worth seeing definitely, and it's probably one of my favorite movies of the year. Zach, um, there's a there's a small part of me ten years ago that would have said this is the greatest movie ever, 
because I love these types of stories and arcs. And watching it on Saturday, um, I still feel that way. Um, can't say it's the greatest thing I've ever seen, but I loved it a lot, and it's one of the best things I've seen this year. So, yes, you should go see it. James? Yeah, I, I had a lot of fun. You know, Going in, I similarly had some trepidation just because I was concerned that this was going to be a movie so chock full of references that it was going to feel like just a pile of stuff pouring in, like, like a stew, but not a real great taste in stew. Uh, just a whole bunch of stuff in a pot. Uh, and instead, I think it's actually a really good stew. I think all of the stuff that is being referenced is tangential to an actually good story. I think that um, Steven Spielberg actually relatively adeptly plays with these themes of sort of you know personhood and identity and and t- and how that mixes in a technology forward universe um, in a much better way than other people have tried. Um, and to such an extent that like if i had if i had 10 year olds or you know uh, kids between the ages of 10 and 13 i think this is a movie that teaches actually some really great lessons um but and does it even though those kids wouldn't understand most of these references uh i think the movie's really fun i think that the the stuff kind of like Brad was saying to me i think some of what was sort of off putting in the trailers about the visual effects and and what the characters look like you realize very quickly that like they intentionally make all of those things in order to avoid the uncanny valley. They make all of the avatars feel like video game characters, like look like video game characters. So that that way you, you know, can actually connect with them better rather than feeling like they're supposed to look like Beowulf. Yeah. Like you're not Um, trying to like pretend they're human. Like your mind's not trying to like, Oh, these are supposed to be humans. Like obviously they're supposed to be video game characters. So I'll go with it. You accept them as avatars, which actually makes it easier to make them one character, I think. Like, I had a real easy time of looking through the Avatar to see the character and the emotion behind the character rather than... So that when I see Z in the game, I feel the emotion of Z in the real world rather than seeing them as two different characters. Anyway, sorry, I'm rambling. But, um, yeah, I I think it's really good. Um, Definitely a lot going on. Um, and not for everybody. If you're somebody where the nostalgia stuff rubs you the wrong way, like I understand people not liking this movie, but it totally works for me. So yeah, I think people should see it. Ryan, uh, I'm not people? quite in love with it as you guys. I think you should see it. Uh, I still have a problem with the character design of the main character. Um, you you can choose any avatar you want. You choose a silver haired like cyber. I don't know. It just bothered <laughs> me. Um, and I thought his face was weird. He's got a Thundercats belt. He does. Um, <laughs> but putting that aside, the, the nostalgia stuff is really fun. Um, the performances are really sp- spot on. Uh, Simon Pegg's American accent, don't even notice. Um, yeah. And, and uh, Mark Rylance is amazing in it. Yeah. Um, there's enough. And there's a twist in it that I can't believe I didn't put it together at the beginning. <laughs> yep. um, and we'll talk about it in the spoilers. But it, it's it's the movie's well made. Um, again, I just had... I wasn't quite in love with it as much as you guys, but I still I still liked it, and I still think you should see it. Um, here, here's the trailer for Ready Player One. My name's Wade Watts. My dad picked that name because it sounded like a superhero's alter ego, like Peter Parker or Bruce Banner. But he died when I was a kid. My mom, too. And I ended up here. Sitting here in my tiny corner of nowhere. There's nowhere left to go. 
nowhere except the oasis. A whole virtual universe. People come to the Oasis for all the things they can do. But they stay because of all the things they can be. Can you feel this? Um, yeah. It's the only place that feels like I mean anything. The Oasis was the brainchild of James Halliday. Hello. If you're watching this, I'm dead. I created a hidden object, an Easter egg. The first person to find the egg will inherit half a trillion dollars and total control of the Oasis itself. Who is this Parzival, and how the hell is he winning? Find him. This isn't just a game. I'm talking about actual life and death stuff. The Oasis. The world's most important economic resource. It's nothing less than a war for control of the future. Welcome to the rebellion, Wade. Like many of you, I only came here to escape. But I found something much bigger than just myself. Are you willing to fight? Help us save the Oasis. This movie's pretty beautiful. I will say that. Watching yeah. it in IMAX 3D was well worth it. I, it's one of the best 3D experiences I've had, That's which funny. is super I would actually weird. argue that I was like, hmm, this is a really cardboard cutouty for me. Really? Yeah. Mine looked great. I wonder if it's, yeah, maybe just huh. the different systems. Yeah, I don't know. Um, uh, yeah, I was like, I was super in it. Um, yeah, there's, there's moments in this film that I watch and I was like, yes. I mean, when he figured out to drive backwards... And he drives backwards, and you see the T Rex and King Kong like busting trying to get him. I think his looks awesome. Yeah, I can't believe you didn't see the Jack Slater reference. Oh yeah, in the like trailer. and then when I saw Jack <laughs> Slater like movie uh, marquee. Uh, that's one of the things is I feel like, you know, people are gonna see this and think like, oh man, they're just like leveraging all of this stuff, this nostalgia. But what's what I realized at the moment it happened for me was there's so much stuff and a lot of it is is just you know just there just to be there yeah, like but when you where you turn there's like some reference to something right but yeah. what what's going to happen is there's so much that something you really love that you didn't expect them to reference is going to show up and you're going to have that moment where yeah knowing going in you know like oh okay the you know the iron giant is there and the the back to the future car all the stuff that like everyone loves but like i wasn't expecting that jim rayner from starcraft was going to show up and like really be there for a while and i was going to be like holy shit this is the closest to a starcraft movie i'm ever going to get like and so i had that one moment um and so i think well everyone but brad because unfortunately brad's thing is would be the teenage mutant ninja turtles but they use the michael bay ones so Sorry, Brad. You know, it's um, funny. I was thinking, like, they used the retro Pizza Hut logo, but they couldn't get the 80s <laughs> two turtles in there. I'm guessing I Viacom was like, no, you got to use the Paramount one. Oh, but yeah. you can imagine if they had used, like, the like the animated turtles or the or the original movie turtles, 
that's how everyone else got to feel Brad. So I'm sorry. Um, no, and there's more, like uh, that Goro plays a huge part in it. I'm like, whoa, <laughs> and he looks way better than he did in like the the movie. There's Mortal a lot Kombat. of moral, there's yeah. a lot of Mortal Kombat because there's oh, Goro. Yeah. There's the poster in the facility in the back. Yeah, wall, the one and kid, the has, one a kid button, has a button, yeah. and Scorpion and Sub Zero show up in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, I mean Jason's in it. Freddy's in it. Where was Jason? I didn't see Jason. Uh, he gets he pulls some. Yeah, he, he gets shot some, by uh, well, so H at the beginning. Pull his arms apart. Yeah, he kills some people, and then he gets like blown up yeah he's in, he, he's in the he's in oh, the montage early. at the it's beginning in the same in the, one, it's in the same one where they're describing how everybody collects coins on that yeah doom yeah it's the freddy the, one yeah. Yeah, yeah 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 it's the one where they're introducing the doom doom planet i can't wait to get this on dvd just like go frame by frame oh like, yeah where's everything at? It's, there's it's overwhelming how yeah. many references there. Yeah, the I mean, they had a, in it that was yeah, great chucky bomb uh-huh. yeah yeah, the Chucky bomb was great. Steven spielberg used the f word yeah man and well yep King Kong kind yeah. of looks oh, like old King, King Kong. Kong looked great. Look, it looked yeah. like old King Kong too, but CGI'd style. It was and I think the his ability to have these action sequences where you're watching all these people play this game and it all makes sense and you understand what's going on and he's cutting back and forth to like the people in the chair and you've got um uh what's her name Sam Cook's character Sam Cook's character um, Olivia Cook. Uh, Olivia Cook's character, character. Uh, Artemis. 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 Yeah. So you're you've got like Artemis over here doing this thing, and you've got them. On you know, cure dr- bike. Right. Like, <laughs> there's all there's all these different things going on that you have to follow, and you have all this emotional stuff going on at the same time. Like, it's it's pretty impressive that he can you know. I don't want them to ever invested. remake Back to the Future, but if they did, like seeing the DeLorean in, in like that intense of an action sequence, it was cool. Just knocked me out of my that chair. That first car chase when he fails the first time oh, yeah. is pretty awesome. Oh yeah. Um and seeing King Kong jumping from the buildings and all that, like it's he puts enough eye candy up front that you're like, okay. Like this is I am I'm in, you know. Yeah, it's a fun movie. You know, I if well I I'll talk about there's a couple parts I I, I already talked about the Avatar. I also like the part with his aunt where his aunt died because I they didn't establish her character enough for me to care about her. Yeah, it felt yeah. very T two ish. Yeah, so like I, I, I was kind of like, okay, I don't care. Yeah, and that, I mean, those are just minor quibbles, but um, I'm trying to remember the. I wish I read the book closer because, um, like my least favorite part of the movie was the same part I didn't like in the book, which was like the dance. I've the heard floating that. dance thing. Um, it's just DJ Miller was so great cheesy. as the bad guy, though. When I first heard about this book, or no, when that first the first trailer came out, I was with a friend of mine, Nick, who has been on the show, and and his first thing was like, "Yeah, I saw the scene in the book I hate the most, so that's too bad." And it was that dance scene, and that, so as I was watching it, I was like, "Okay, this is just like an okay action scene. I don't know why people hate it. Like, is there something in the book that is really annoying?" Yeah, it just seems like a cheesy, like, of course a nerd would write this, like, romantic oh. scene type thing. Um, so? But. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, yeah, but I'm just th- going to say it, so. I think in the book at that point, because I think I remember there was, like, a big time jump of where he oh. gets zeroed out in that sequence. Like, he doesn't oh. get zeroed out in the movie here, but um, he has to restart, build up his entire cash again, um, and it jumps ahead to where he's got that, uh, like, that same... Uh, like hamster ball thing that Sorrento does. Oh, okay. Like he eventually works him, his way back up to that. So he's like out of the game for like five years, I think. Oh, wow. I might be misremembering it, but yeah. So he like jumps back in and like reconnects with all his friends at that point. Yeah. And that's like right after the the dance thing. So, but in this movie, it just like, oh, okay. He goes back to his mom's place or his aunt's place and it gets kidnapped and yeah, they I just kind of fast forward. But, but I, yeah. I do love, I, I love every scene with, uh, Mark Rylance and Simon Pegg. Oh gosh. I think there's so much humanity in those scenes. Yeah. And 
you're you're talking to a, a guy of Mark Rylance who's been around forever, but now that he's director. working with Spielberg, it's like, oh, look how great this guy is. Yeah, and he, him and Simon Pegg are just astounding together. And you know they have that scene where they're in the cafeteria and they're yes, and it's just the little things. And it you know the you feel dumb. For the curator who turns out, spoilers, spoilers, <laughs> to be Simon Pegg. You're like, of course it's fucking Simon Pegg. Yeah. <clears throat> right. Because he even like flips him the coin. He's like, no, keep the keep the quarter. Yeah. And it even comes back later on in the f- fucking movie. Yep. Yeah. And you feel dumb because, you know, that's why I think Spielberg's such a great director and storyteller visually is he gives you enough clues throughout yeah. the film that you should figure it out. Yeah. H, we, H as well. Yeah. Yeah. You know, yeah. He, 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 H basically tells you exactly who he is. Yeah. Well, and who she is? Well, yeah, no, well, who she, she is? Well, just just tells you tells you enough to know, like, oh, if 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 H is smart enough to be wary about reality, then like, oh, there's probably yeah, exactly something that's in. what I mean. Like, he he basically tells you, and that's what makes the movie clever. It's yeah. it's not all the references which are great, but mm-hmm. it's the little the little stuff throughout the movie. Well, and I think this is sort of what I was alluding to before is that whole thing with H, especially like. He doesn't have to spend a lot of time explaining this idea of of people getting to be who they want to be and and why that would be valuable and then and then introducing you to H and show especially who want to be someone different than who they are to some degree um and he doesn't have to rub your nose in it it's just this thing that if you like like I said if you were 10 you would see this movie you would get the message and you wouldn't even know you'd learn the lesson. Mm-hmm. You would just, you would understand why this idea of an avatar is so important in a way that other films that have toyed with that haven't really been successful in doing, you know? Yeah, and he has um, like a new short round in it and it's awesome. Yeah, yeah shit. <laughs> um, I, I, and I, I think that... Just thinking that, like, who's going to bring it up first? <laughs> that relationship between Simon Pegg and Mark Rylance is so well done, especially because, and like you said, it's well spoilers, especially when you realize... At the end, and I think it's why this movie is worth watching more than once. When you realize at the end that the, that a lot of what we've been told about Mark Rylance's characters and motivations are wrong, mm-hmm. and that he actually his whole motivation is about the fact that he lost this friendship mm-hmm. during this whole thing over a number of different things, um, mm-hmm. and and what you realize is like it was never on Simon Pegg's side. Yeah. Like Simon Pegg was there and cared about his friend the whole time, and and. You know, it, it's a double-edged sword that is rings so true to every nerd on this planet um, that, you know, I think that idea that, like, you feel so much like an outsider and you close yourself off because you're afraid of getting hurt, and then what happens is you don't realize that you end up hurting so many of those yeah. relationships because people don't actually feel that way towards you. Yeah. And, and those people who are close, you are actually shutting out. And that is such a powerful story, again, that he doesn't, he doesn't hammer you with it. He just puts it there, and you get to sort of play with it. Like, and why he is one of the best filmmakers ever is because he can make a movie like The Post, and then he follows it up with this, yeah. where it's two really great messages, but yeah. told in different ways. Right. And he also made The Shining more scary than I ever was watching The oh, Shining. Oh, yeah. I don't, the, was that in the book? Because I don't think that was in the book. Oh, I don't know. I didn't read it's the book. It's not. I read a whole yeah. article about them trying to recreate it, and it's incredible. Spielberg going along with it because uh, I guess he uh, wasn't sure if they could get him to go on board with, hey, we're messing with 
you know, this Kubrick film. Right. This is what we're going to do. But I, I mean, I'm one of those people who think Shining's the most overrated movie ever. Yeah. Um, well, and, well, have you seen Scarface? Yeah. So same, <laughs> same vein as Scarface. Yes. Where people tell me it's scary. I don't think it's scary no. at all. But uh, I think I think this is a better action scene than it is. Does the Shining have the old lady like with a knife running around trying to? No, no. she's no, she's no, just no, no, no. she's just rotten. So like the she's, she's in the trying. tub and she's naked. And then at one point I don't remember how it happened. I think she does get out and then she and then she goes all like uh, you know zombieish. Yeah, and it's just but they just leave the room. The, yeah, the, yeah. it's not it's not that she turns into a as they a say in the movie there are no zombies zombie. in the Shining. Yes, yeah. <laughs> because um, yeah, so that's you know and it's well done and it proves that he's. Because, well, yeah. Um, um, I'm sure that AI would have been boring if Stanley Kubrick made it. Um, I was going to say, like, there's, like, Halliday's whole th- structure is the reason why I can pro- put this solidly on a list of, like, the best I've seen so far this year. Like, I was, I've been looking for a film like this, like, this kind of arc structure to come out for a while where it didn't, like, piss me off. Um there was a report, and I went back and looked at this, and sure enough, I couldn't believe I actually read this years ago when this movie first got optioned. When Spielberg was attached, they were trying to get Gene Wilder to play Halliday, right? And they, and then Ooh. when they when they turned it down, and then now knowing what we know about what happened with Wilder, I'm glad that Rylance was able was able to capture that essence of the 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 eccentric toy maker, if you will, or the eccentric. eccentric <laughs> Man of Magic. Yeah, I mean, so many times in this movie, I just kept going like, "Oh, this is just Willy Wonka." This it would have, is, and like, it would have been Gene Wilder, and it would have been, and it would have been yeah. great. It actually would have been pretty incredible. Yeah, I would, I would have, um, I would have been like, my mind would have been blown away. Rylance does just as good a job, if not even better, maybe, yeah. for, to a certain degree, because of just differences in training. Um, I've loved that the nostalgia for me, at least, when I was watching the entire thing, like I'm not. It's kind of like window dressing to me. It doesn't like overwhelm me as much as I think it might overwhelm others. The shining thing to me is the only thing that really like beats me over the head with a barley stick. Um, and then, and even then, that's fine too. Because barley I mean, stick, I, I, just, I, I, I just love that phrase lately. Um, <laughs> Where is that from? It's not a phrase. He made it up. <laughs> no, I heard it on a dead author's podcast. Um, oh, okay. Um, but uh, no, um, the way that like. Like, example, like, we get Freddy and Jason out of the way as a reference within the span of one scene. And it's like, but but I still remember that they're there, and it's like, it's just, it's nice window dressing on top of them trying to tell this story that actually is pretty interesting. Like, I think Ben Mendelsohn is a really damn good villain. So good. And is a villain that, like, like, ten years ago, in my thinking of, like, what would a cool dystopian movie be, he'd be very close to what I would have pictured in my head. So I was really happy to see him tackle that like my favorite scene is when he's uh trying to like trick the kid and he's got um a bunch of nerds in a big office building room like feeding him trivia information about the directors of fast time original high and all these 80s movies and whatnot like mm-hmm. i thought it was a really good scene i don't um, remember finale being the book either so there's that thing but oh the, gotcha. the, i think she might have been an addition to the movie his like <coughs> hench lady yeah like the army lady oh i mean yeah. but she was cool too like yeah. i mean just like i yeah. I liked that they told a dystopia story that wasn't like it was actually fun. That's part of it, but also like I was able to like take take the element of nostalgia and instead of making it about the nostalgia, making it more about how do the people who live with that nostalgia live on a day to day basis? Mm-hmm. Like and like so like okay, what kind of world would they live in? 
where is a world where nostalgia would be the most fitting? And of course it would be in a 20, 2045 in Columbus, Ohio, or, you know, wherever it's set in the stacks, I guess is like what they call it. So, but I, so I enjoyed the fuck out of it and it looks beautiful. I mean, I, I didn't even watch it in 3d and I was like, this is fucking amazing. Only time I was annoyed was when one of the sequences, they have a light, uh, a bunch of lights flashing all around you at once. like kind of like circulating around and I was like, fuck, I'm going to have a seizure. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, I uh, I didn't cry at the end. Uh, or oh, I, I, oh get, I cried. Fuck. fuck. Uh, oh, I man. did start to cry a little. Like I got a little teary eyed in the in the credits though, simply because Alan Silvestri is a fucking badass. Mm-hmm. And like just sitting like, listening to those to the credits music, I was like, this is really good, man. I yeah, um, I th- I think he knocked it out of the park. Um, and there's that shot of Halliday as a kid playing his video games. Yeah, I just between the light, production design. Everything's going around with the scene. It's one of the like my favorite shots of his that he's done in recent memory, and I and I like that the film kind of, in a weird way, has a creator looking at the things he's created, a Spielberg looking at all the stuff he's created within pop culture. It's his own way of reflecting without shoving it down your throat. Mm-hmm. So I enjoyed it in that in that respect. <laughs> yeah, because he's actually in there a lot. Yeah. Uh, well, yeah, it's easy yeah. to sign off on your own stuff, right? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. <clears throat> It's cool. Uh, yeah. Next week on Real Nerds Podcast, we're seeing A Quiet Place. Sorry, what, what was that? Robot. I can't hear you, Ryan. What, what, what's the movie we're seeing? A quiet Place. Why, why are you whispering? Because that's when the monsters get you! <laughs> Which I'm really excited for. It's still at 100% on Rotten Tomatoes. Wow, um, that's cool. It's supposed to be really good. Let's wait for the one dick to knock it down to 99. Yep. What's that one dude who always is going to rate it bad because he wants to? Just saying, get out to 100% in my heart. <laughs> yeah. No, it's cool. Uh, and Emily Blunt was really cute on uh, Stephen Colbert's show. He did an interview with her and Krasinski on Sunday morning yesterday. Yeah. And I watched it. It's adorable. I didn't know how they met and how they were going to, how she wasn't going to do the role. And then she read the script and she's like, I'm going to have you call my friend who I was going to give you the role to and then make me do the role instead. Yeah. And she said, uh, you need to fire her. <laughs> it's pretty funny. <laughs> um, and she liked it because she didn't have to talk that much. And I just ran an interview with her, too, where they're trying to line up Edge of Tomorrow, too. But she had, I guess she was shooting Mary Poppins Returns for, like, nine months. Wow. Yeah, because of the pregnancy thing? Or the, is it well, they, no, they, they postponed they, it. They postponed was, it because of it. Until right. she was done being pregnant. Yeah, but I guess it's so <laughs> crazy. And, well, because when you think about it, she has to record. She has to dance. Yeah. She, I mean, that's not an easy movie to make, I'm yeah, sure. man. So I'm just saying. I'm She's like, able to do Sherlock Gnomes in between, though. But. Gross. <laughs> Well, she probably called them in. Like she, she did that over the phone. Well, dude, I would do voice work. How much are you gonna pay? If they, boy, pay probably like five, six million bucks. Yeah. Well, I'm just saying for that film. Like, I'm sure that they just called her and were like, "Hey, would you read the script that we sent you? Like, just right now, just read it for the first time. Like, it doesn't it. matter." <laughs> she looks at it. Why is this gnome in a mankini? <laughs> don't do her voice. Just don't. It, none of it matters. It doesn't she, matter. She is just too read perfect to be soiled upon. <laughs> you want to. <laughs> no, soil her with his horrible. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I thought I thought I'm the problem. Not I thought his. Ryan. I'm the problem. I thought Ryan wanted to soil upon her. Maybe I do. <laughs> Here's web in your eye. Oh man, you made it bad. I've been pretty good today, so I had to Sorry, make sure. Sorry, Mom. Sunshine, clean that up. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> She's great in that. Nicely movie. done. Yeah, that's a good one. Underrated. Steve Zahn. Oh yeah. Yeah. Man. Rescue Dawn. Steve Zahn. (laughs) 
Talk about Steve Zahn. Sahara. Please make a Steve Zahn rap where that's a lyric in it. Rest yeah. of dawn, Steve Zahn. Yeah. Well, till next week. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to this episode of Real Nerds Podcast. Real Nerds Podcast is a production of Nebulous Visions Multimedia. Thank you to Sparks Mandrill and Plan 9 Studios for our kick-ass theme song. Also, if you're in the Denver area and you're looking for a cool place to see movies, we see them at the Alamo Draft House in Littleton and now also in Sloan's Lake. Thank you to Colorado Coins, Cards, and Comics for supplying us with all our comic needs, especially you, Andrew. You know who you are. And a big shout-out to James's mom. I'm giving you an electronic hug that you can feel through the airwaves. Thanks for listening, and have a nice day.